pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's the saying? Once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. Unless you're Tate Martell. Tate Martell on the move again. Yet again. Tate Martell back in the transfer portal. Letter Monroe reported this as well as many other Buckeye outlets just about an hour ago, two hours ago. But ready for a final shot at football, Tate Martell re-enters the transfer portal. And I really don't even know what the the story is as far as what even didn't work out in Miami. We all know really kind of what led to his departure from Ohio State. Uh, anytime you have a chance to get a talent like Justin Fields, I think it made it pretty damn you know easy for the Buckeyes to move on from that situation. Uh, and obviously Tate Martell being more of an Urban Meyer guy that was a part of that, and then Ryan Day trying to establish his guys on that roster. But what, whatever went wrong in Miami, switched positions multiple times, went to quarterback, then receiver, then back to quarterback, then back to not playing at all, left the school. There was all these random reports about Tate Martell, uh, that, you know, there's this beef between his girlfriend and his mom going Ooh. back and forth on social media, uh, yelling at one another, accusing one another of, of why he's not in football. And it, it was just a complete mess. I don't know where he ends up. I don't know where he could end up. But uh, we've talked about before just how jumbled up that, that transfer portal actually is. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Uh, good luck finding a spot. I'm sure he'll find one. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be another power. It may not be one of the top power five jobs out there. I promise you that much. Yeah, man. The transfer portal is a mess. I mean... It, I'm all about people trying to get their spot, you know what I'm saying, everything like that. I believe that student-athletes should be allowed to transfer to any school that they want to and everything like that. But these are unintended consequences when you have the transfer portal. You have tons of guys who are unhappy, so they decide to transfer, and then they end up with nowhere to transfer to because, you know, there's only 85 scholarships per team. So then you're left in the wind or going to a school that you never imagined you would be going to. And Tate Martell's situation is a tad bit different because obviously he was a highly titled coming out of high school, you know, but even before that, you know, he went to like two different high schools. Um, you know, he was on the TV show and, you know, you don't want to judge anybody's character off of a TV show because it's entertainment it's a TV show, but I did watch it. And every vibe that I got from him was he was an entitled kid. That's fine. You know, there's plenty of entitled people out there in the world who make great athletes, you know, so that that's no knock on him. But when you come to Ohio State and he, at the time he was buying this time because obviously he was behind JT. He was behind Dwayne Haskins. And then obviously the enter, you know, Justin Fields. And then that's when everything really started to hit hit the road for him. And, you know, he transfers to you. Can't win that starting position. Uh, sits out last year because of COVID and everything. Comes back to the team and now is going to transfer yet again. It's a hot mess. And for any program out there, you don't want that hot mess on your team. You know what I'm saying? Because, like I said, when you watch the TV show, he seemed like an entitled brat. You know what I'm saying? And he's 17. So I would 
I would question any 17-year-old out there who has it all, you know, mapped out and all buttoned up and mature. I would say you're not really living a life of a teenager. But but for him in this situation that he finds himself in, it, it's a mess, man. I, I Honestly, I feel bad for the kid because, you know, it, he got bad advice along the way. I was always a proponent of him, you know, if you don't win the starting job at Ohio State, just stick it out. You know, I mean, I know it's easy for me to say, but, you know, I look at examples like a Jalen Hurts who ended up graduating from Alabama and then transferred to a great situation in Oklahoma and now got drafted in like the second or third round in the NFL, got some starts underneath his belt in the NFL and everything like that. I think that it's something to say about a person's character who, you know, you stick it out through the tough times because from everything that we know about Tate Martell and have seen about Tate Martell, you know, he's been the most athletic person on the team and just been better than everybody so it was like all right man you're the man and you really didn't have to work for it you know you put him in a situation obviously he was gonna have to work for it at ohio state to get on the field he was wasn't willing to work that second time you know he was willing to work as a freshman and a sophomore and everything like that but he wasn't willing to work for the opportunity to be the starting quarterback when justin fields came so he figured all right i'll go to miami wasn't willing wasn't able to beat out the other guys wasn't willing to work his way onto the field this past year and now he's in limbo again yeah and well you know i'm curious where he ends up honestly but we'll keep it on i mean I, I found it interesting i mean i followed miami just a bit just to kind of get a feel well i always just poke fun at the you know the typical once a buckeye always a buckeye unless you're tate martell just because of how buckeye fans just literally were trying to take credit for as much of joe burrow's success as possible but yet no one claims joe Bur- or uh, tate martell over here so that's what the joke once a buckeye always a buckeye unless your tate martell comes from um but nonetheless so we got we'll get into some more college football stuff coming up around the corner uh you, you keep in mind that right now ESPN just released their way too early top 25 for next season. Ohio State, not one, not two, not three. Just how far down in the top 10 do they have the Ohio State Buckeyes? And at least they are in the top 10 at that. We have a lot to get into today. We're going to have some baseball Hall of Fame talk as well as Reds offseason news and notes. Hall of Famer Hal McCoy, who has a baseball Hall of Fame vote. He's going to join us at four o'clock. We're going to kind of get into some of the some of the issues that are surrounding uh, you know, not just, I mean yes, Major League Baseball. I know it's not the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, but the Baseball Hall of Fame, but it's still a bad look for baseball as a whole for what is going on right now. And it's difficult because, you know, I look at guys like high character guys who have um, Hall of Fame votes like a Hal McCoy. Uh, you know, you you look at, you know, ESPN, there's quite a few actual uh, Hall of Fame voters there as well. In fact, I heard Jeff Passan earlier today say he actually was so disgusted with where the Hall of Fame was going that he got rid of his vote. Mm. Uh, he, and he's one of ESPN's main baseball analysts there, Tim Kirkshen, uh, who's a regular on the show too. I mean, he has a Hall of Fame vote and, and he's a, such a high character guy. So Hal McCoy, you know, you know, Tim Kirkson, these guys, all high character guys that have votes, but then there's others who I do believe take not take advantage of it, but they, they do they, they don't share the responsibility correctly of what they do with that vote, and that's what led to the mess that happened. No players, no Hall of Fame selections at all for this year's Major League Baseball Hall of or I shouldn't say Major League Baseball, this year's baseball hall of fame. Mm-hmm. But it kind of works out because when you honor last year's Baseball Hall of Famers who couldn't be honored because right. of COVID, now you could just take that class and enter it over here and still honor them when that time comes. So it's going to be interesting, but I'm excited to talk with Hal McCoy coming up. But I did want to open up with that. And 457-9464, that's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. But Kurt Schilling is an interesting character. 
Kurt Schilling, I'm going to use in this, and I, you know, I give Stephen A. Smith a lot of credit earlier today, who was able to separate the person, Kurt Schilling, and the baseball player, Kurt Schilling. And I think we need to do more of that when it comes to this situation, because the last I checked, the gates to heaven seem a lot easier to get into <laughs> than the actual Hall of Fame. And it drives me nuts because I think we need to do a better job as sports fans of really not investing so much invest, you know, investing so much emotional, uh, you know, time. I don't know what it's time. I don't even know how to word that, but we need to, st- you know, we need to stop investing so much of our emotional self into these players in regards to holding them above just what they are players. Mm-hmm. I allocate Kurt, you know, I remember Kurt Schilling, the baseball player. You know, I, I saw firsthand just how difficult he could be out of the game. I remember years ago, I met Tim Kirkshin and Aaron Boone. It was at, uh, you know, Sunday Night Baseball. It was the Cubs and the Cardinals, and they were there. In fact, it was because of Hal McCoy that Aaron Boone, I, I threw out his name, and he looked at us, and he called us back, and we got to go kind of sit back there with Tim Kirkshin nice. and Aaron Boone. This is before Boone took the Yankees job. And all of a sudden, I just I, I look behind me, and all of a sudden, I hear someone just berating somebody, and it's Kurt Schilling, mad at one of the ESPN producers because he, I guess, he had put the lapel mic on him, mm-hmm. and I think he thought that the lapel mic was off, or he thought that the producer had taken it off, and when he walked away, he pulled the cord and all the equipment off yeah. the table and just went off on the guy. So that has nothing to do with the Hall of Fame. That has nothing to do. Right. But it, it was from that point where I, I was like, I just looked at him different. It was one of those yeah. few times because you don't, I don't get to, I'm not fortunate enough to hang around with these guys like that. So the rare times that I do, you kind of get to see a different side. And sometimes you're very flattered and sometimes it's super cool. And then other times you wish you hadn't met some people mm-hmm. because then you look at them differently. Yep. That was five or six years ago. Um, and I, I, I think it's wrong to look at who Kurt Schilling votes for. I think it's wrong to maybe use what he says, which I don't agree with anything he says on social media about certain situations. I think that this is one of those moments where you take that and cast it aside and look at Kurt Schilling, the player, not Kurt Schilling, the person, or, you know, not, not Kurt Schilling, the person. Um, you know, it drives me nuts. He's done and said some despicable things. But at the end of the day, I really do think that he is a Hall of Famer. Um, Roger Burton on Facebook says nobody getting voted uh, voted in was so right. Kurt Schilling, really. Look at Kurt Schilling's numbers. In fact, I, I talked with Schlummer earlier today. Schilling, or Schlummer doesn't think Schilling is a Hall of Famer. Mm. Um, and he is borderline too, but I think that what helps is the what I mean, what he did in the postseason. Right. I mean, he was a he was a face of of the success that, that those teams had. But look, he's a, he finished runner up in Cy Young voting three straight times. He won. He had multiple twenty win seasons during a time that I mean that was right around the time it was starting to become difficult to get to twenty wins. Right now it's difficult to get to twenty starts. Right. Um. So he had multiple twenty win seasons. Uh. You know, runner up in Cy Young at least three times. He finished in top five. Um, at least once outside of those runner-up, you know, as far as uh, Cy Young votes goes. My thing is, is look at all the games he won, twenty multiple 21 seasons during the steroid era. Right. You know, the pitchers have been, yeah, I know that a lot of pitchers have been accused of using steroids. Roger Clemens is one of those, which is why, of course, he's not in the Hall of Fame as we currently speak. But I look at Kurt Schilling, and I'm like, look at the success he had against every batter that was using steroids. I mean, that was peak steroid era, mm-hmm. and he was dominating through then. Um, so, again, I know that he's kind of on the fence guy, but I think what I'm asking, you know, the, the moral clause in the Hall of Fame drives me nuts. It should not be easier to get into heaven than it should be to get into the Hall of Fame, and that's what drives me nuts with this. And I think that's what's unique about the Hall of Fame is you do have reporters and media members who have covered the sport their entire lives, but I also don't like the personal grudges sometimes that are held against players that keep them out. Uh, we'll talk with Hall of Famer Hal McCoy around the corner. He is against certain members, certain guys getting in the Hall of Fame because of the steroid usage. That's different. Yeah, Steroid usage is considered cheating. Yes. That's different. Kurt Schilling, not defending his views, 
I'm not even talking, you know, but I don't think that just because you don't like his views that that's why you should keep him out of the Hall of Fame. If you have a, I don't think he was good enough argument, mm-hmm. I'm here all day. That's what's fun about these debates. But I'm not a fan of when I hear certain people say, oh, no, he's definitely, he's rubbed too many people the wrong way. He's not getting in the Hall of Fame. Whoa, right. whoa, 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 whoa. That, that's not how this should work. I think that's wrong. We had this conversation yesterday about Antonio Brown. Yes. And, and the things that he has done off the field, you and I both believe he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. And I think Kurt Schilling is a bigot and a racist. Mm-hmm. But he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because he's a bad mofo on that mound. You know what I'm saying? Like, he got it done. And he got it done when everybody said he couldn't get it done. Uh, got it done in the playoffs. Got it done with the Boston Red Sox. He's bleeding out of his ankle and all this crazy stuff. Like, this type of stuff that Dizzy movies are made of. Yep. And he had those moments. And he had them on the biggest stage. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't like him as a person, but, hey, when they were on, I was watching him. So what? He's a racist. Okay. And that ain't got nothing to do with what he did on the baseball field. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And the Baseball Hall of Fame has always been weird to me. Like, when you say Hall of Famer, it should go like that. Yep. And when you have guys like Ken Griffey Jr. who don't get 100% of the vote because, oh, that's tradition, it's stupid. When you have guys like Derek Jeter who should get 100% of the vote and don't, it's stupid. Those things about it's baseball. It's stupid because stupid. the guy that didn't vote for him, he said the guy that didn't vote for Derek Jeter had the belief of no one should be a first ballot Hall of Fame. Stupid. Just like those are the, the petty, re- like those are the, where the personal biases come into play versus, you know, like I talked, I made sure to emphasize the high character guys that have votes, guys such as Hal McCoy, who we're going to talk to at four, uh, you know, Tim Kirkshin, and guys like that who, you know, just respect the game that don't let personal biases get right. in the way. If you don't believe someone should be in because of steroids, I, even though I would disagree, I could at least understand why, hey, I believe this person cheated the game. That's why I don't want him in. Right. Hey, this guy cheated on his wife. I don't want him in. Or this guy voted for Donald Trump. I don't want him in. Those, I, I don't no. think that that is a that, – no, I, it's not that, that I don't think. I know that, that is, is not wrong. fair at all. That's that's completely wrong. One has nothing to do with the other. You can, you can dislike somebody as a person, but you should be supposed to be voting on their baseball career. His baseball career, in my opinion – he should be in the Hall of Fame. He's done enough. He's won enough big games on the biggest stage. He should be in. And, I mean, this this happens in football, too. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about T.O. And, you know, T.O., I believe he has the second. When he retired, he had the second most receiving yards behind Jerry Rice and everything like that. And he didn't get in on the first ballot and everything like that, which is ridiculous. All because he didn't get along with reporters and everything like that. Uh, People tend to hold grudges against these athletes and hold them to a standard that they don't even hold themselves to. You know, some people out there hold athletes to a higher standard than they do their children's teachers. You know what I'm saying? So that is like we as a people, you know, being all high and mighty about how people should act. You might want to look in the mirror, man, because I'm 100% sure all of us, including myself, don't do everything 100% of the time on the up and up. I agree. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. And like I knew this was going to be an interesting conversation because I think that's why I made sure to emphasize that we as fans sometimes need to do a better job of, of 
really you know not investing so much of our emotional uh capital into these guys like i, I you know sometimes they're just baseball players mm-hmm. like i mentioned i brought up the kurt schilling example of what i saw behind the scenes you know 5 years ago because i just before i even knew who he was as a person after that it was that's who i knew i'm like man he's just not a nice dude like he right. looks he seems like a nice guy on tv he seems fun and then you see that and that's not why I'm saying, I, you know, you see my point, though. It's like when you kind of get to know sometimes who these guys are behind the scenes, it's not always what you uh, think it's going to be. Yeah, but. the saying is you don't want to meet your heroes because mm-hmm. it'll destroy you. You know, as a kid, if you grew up rooting for LeBron James and then you finally get a chance to meet LeBron James and he's a a-hole, you're going to be crushed. I don't care how old you are. You know what I'm saying? But from all accounts, LeBron James is a stand-up guy. Um, there's stories about Michael Jordan um, being a jerk. To adults and then being uh, signing autographs for kids left and right, but then not signing autographs for adults. Randy Moss the same way. Like, I don't sign autographs for adults. I don't take pictures with adults. You do it for kids. So it's like, you know, when you become an adult, that's when you really can stress your opinion and then have some weight behind it. As a kid, you know, you don't have that power. So when you meet these people, they are just that. They are people. They are flawed just like everybody else. They just have a tremendous talent to play their sport. Uh, to do music, whatever that talent is, they do it well, and that's why you like them. But at the end of the day, they're a human being as well. They are flawed people, but one shouldn't have anything to do with the other. Uh, Roger Burton, going back to him real quick, he says, nobody getting voted in was so right. Uh, why do you believe that, Roger? And again, I think we all know the re- I mean, when you look at Bonds and some of these others who came up, you know, high percentages short. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schilling was the closest of all of them, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I need to go pull that 71%. up. I think he was at 71. So it was yeah. 71. So he was the closest uh, of all the, the guys who came up short, which I don't think anyone anticipated Bonds and others to get it. But again, it's always interesting seeing the percentages, in it, whether it gets higher and higher each year. Um, and I did find it interesting that at the end of the day, you had Kurt Schilling say, you know what? I don't. Take me off the ballot for next year. I'll just wait till I went to get it. He, you know, he'll let the older voters kind of get him in later amongst his peers, uh, as opposed to to the media. He doesn't believe that the media should. And I've always said that too. Like there's certain media that if you've covered a team your entire life or for decades and you've been around the sport, fine. But there's some that don't. There's some that aren't actual beat reporters for teams that have it and i don't agree with that mm-hmm. uh, i'm just I, I i don't know but uh jason pruitt on facebook as well says baseball the baseball hall of fame voting needs a serious change of format i don't even know what my suggestion for what that change would be it, it's the only change i can think of is just an attitude adjustment yeah. stop letting your personal biases dictate who gets in and gets out you are not god you these some of these writers have like a god complex of you know again not having reasons how McCoy's going to call in at Ford? He's going to the steroids will be the reason certain guys will not get in, will not get his Hall of Fame vote. I can respect that because you know steroids is cheating, cheating the game. That's why Pete Rose has been out. It was well, not steroids, but cheating the game and really mm-hmm. breaking some of those rules. But Kurt Schilling not getting in just because you don't like the guy and he's a jerk. I have a problem with that. Barry Bonds as well. It's not just the steroids that keeps him out. He was considered a right. jerk. Yes. Reporters, media hated him. He was not friendly with the media. He was very you know difficult to work with. And I think had he been nicer, he probably gets more votes. Uh, Alex Rodriguez is going to be the guy that I'm interested in in the coming years because he has somehow resurfaced as this darling in media, All American, right? Annie. Right? Like, and he is—he was—he was hated as a player. Yes, people hated him as a player, but he's likable now. I don't know if it's J Lo. I don't know what it. I mean, it's he, definitely J Lo. It's definitely, it's definitely J Lo. <laughs> All right, folks, four five seven nine four six four. I'm going to open up the phones. I'm curious for you baseball fans out there. You know, what is the Hall of Fame to you? 
what should the Hall of Fame reflect? The guys that are in the Hall of Fame, what should it reflect? And how much should a moral clause be in, you know, used in, in getting these guys in? And it becomes difficult because it almost sounds like you're saying, hey, I don't care if you beat your wife. I don't care if you do drugs. I don't care if you do that. We're not like, you know what I'm saying? We're not yes. separating that and saying that that's no big deal. But the Hall of Fame, to me, is supposed to be an achievement that you get to because of what you did on the field. Right. And this isn't the gates to heaven. This is the gates to the Hall of Fame. And I don't think that heaven should be easier to get into uh, than the Hall of Fame. And that's what it seems at time. All right, folks, we'll step away for a few moments. Four five seven nine four six four. What should the Hall of What is the Hall of Fame to you, and what should it reflect? And how much of the moral clause should be used in deciding who gets in and who doesn't? We'll be back in a moment. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash, with you here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, fourteen ten Wing AM. 1410 ESPN Radio is Dayton's home of the Ohio State Buckeyes on the hardwood. Football may be over, but basketball is just heating up. Support Chris Holman and his Buckeyes. All right, and we are back. Justin Kinner, Kevin Ash with you here on a Wednesday. Ohio State, Penn State. You just heard the promo there where they'll be in action coming up later on tonight. 7 o'clock, the tip-off on the Big Ten Network. 6.15, though, if you're going to catch it on the radio side, make sure you catch it right here on Dayton's home of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Not just football, but basketball as well. 6.15 will be the pregame on 14.10 Wing AM as the Buckeyes and Penn State look to make up a game that was postponed uh, just over a month ago. I can't believe, by the way, this month is flying by. Like Dude. We are inching closer and closer to February already. We've Already started making February promotions, plans, and everything. I'm like, holy smokes, like, you know, it's already almost the end of the year. <laughs> Just saying. It's moving quickly. Um, you know, so we'll get into some of that in a moment. Dan Gavitt, um, you know, president of operations of basketball for the NCAA, had an interesting interview with Jeff Goodman on his podcast. And uh, I have a soundbite that we're going to get to later on in the show that he, he starts talking about the what March Madness is going to look like this year. And he answered what it could look like without answering what it's going to look like in its typical political answer form. And it has me worried that there seems to be not a lot of answers right now. And I think we've learned in COVID, sometimes you can't plan. Uh, you can have multiple plans in place, but there's no answers for how to combat uh, how to combat this virus. We don't even know what it's going to look like here in a month. Um, so we'll get into the college basketball discussion more coming up around the corner. Uh, way too early, top 25 for college football was released. And uh, where does Ohio State fall in those rankings? We'll take a look. They are not one. They are not two. They're not three. I'm not being funny. They're not four either. Like, where, where do the Buckeyes actually fall in this? Uh, and is it fair? We have that coming up around the corner. Plus, uh, Cincinnati Reds baseball talk. Hall of Famer Hal McCoy joins us half hour from now. Uh, the Hall of Famer, a Hall of Fame voter. And uh, that's what we've opened up discussing here on today's show. So, I opened up with, of course, there was a lot of talk all day long about Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling is a fascinating individual to talk about when it comes to talking about the Hall of Fame because every year we always kind of get in, we always get to the point where when we're talking about the Hall of Fame, the phrase moral, uh, you know, the, the moral clause uh, comes into play here. And I think we have become, especially with the, with the, with the, with the way our world is right now, if you even say something remotely close about an individual who voted for a certain individual or has said anything, off in the past oh so you support a racist oh so you support this guy and it's like that's i that's not what this conversation is about the hall of fame is strictly about what you do on the field i am curious if 
you know, we talked about O.J. Simpson yesterday as far as football is concerned. If, you know, had, you know, would O.J. Simpson be considered a Hall of Famer after everything that happened? Remember, he's considered a Hall of Famer before mm-hmm. everything that went down, um, you know, for what he's truly known for post-football, right? So, right. like, that's what I'm curious about. But there's always going to be that moral conversation of when, of why guys should be in and why they shouldn't. Uh, but for me, it's as simple as, look, you know, I looked at the simple definition of a Hall of Fame, it's an institution honoring the achievements of individuals in a particular activity or field. I sound like I'm giving like a generic speech in college, right? Webster's Dictionary says that. <laughs> Cite your sources. Yes, exactly. But it's an institution honoring the achievements of individuals in a particular activity or field. Um, and sure, everyone can have a, their own personal moral clause for how they want to view, um, you know, individuals. That's fine. But from a Hall of Fame perspective, you want your best hitters, your best home run hitters, your best base runners. You want, you want the best of the best in there. Yep. I think Kurt Schilling's one of the best of the best. I know he's a fringe guy for most, but when I look at his career accomplishments, it's hard for me to argue that he should not be in. And I do believe he would be in or be a for sure Hall of Famer with some doubters if he wasn't such a horrible person, right? Like, he, he is very difficult to support because of the things he says. Uh, and I don't want to go down the, oh, he's disliked because of who he voted for. That just was the cherry on top. And I'm not trying to get into the political side of it, but the things he says makes him very difficult mm-hmm. to support. He's not a very friendly individual. Let's just put it that way. He attacks anyone and everyone on social media that he can get his fingertips on. So let's just you know leave it at that. But I don't care about any of that. Right. Uh, I, you know, I was listening to first take earlier today and I, you know, Stephen A. Smith just went on and on about how he can't stand Kurt Schilling, but he said, forget who Kurt Schilling is, the person, Kurt Schilling, the baseball player. That's what this is about. And I think yep. that's what the Hall of Fame should be about. I think the moral clause, yes, should play some role in there, but I don't think that this is one of those. I don't think a who a person votes for should be what keeps you out of a Hall of Fame. And I think that's what's happening with Kurt Schilling. And I think that's wrong. I agree with you 100%. Uh, and, you know, it, it's the separation, you know, and right now, <clears throat> excuse me, right now, we're not doing that. And, I mean, you also got to think about this. Like, there's guys in his locker room that played with him who probably couldn't stand his guts. Probably couldn't stand him. But they knew, like, oh, he's on the mound. We got a great chance of winning today. And that's what mattered to them in that time. And what matters about Kurt Schilling is only what he did on the baseball field. And when he was on the baseball field, he willed, he dealed, he was lights out on that mound. And that's what really should count. Not the other stuff that, you know, you and I both say, like, we don't like him as a dude. But ultimately, we got to turn that side of us off and say, look, this is what he did on the field. And he accomplished a ton of things on the field. Yeah, Ann Anderson, she chimes in on Facebook. And again, keep in mind, folks, we're live on Facebook. If you can't call in, uh, right now someone said that our phone lines are busy, so there must be something wrong with our phone. So as soon as we get that addressed, we will uh, let you know. But right now, uh, Facebook uh, is the way to go. So head to Facebook, search The Justin Kinner Show. You can watch the show live and leave your comments and interaction in the chat section, and we get to pull you right into the show. Uh, But Ann Anderson says that they have been keeping Pete Rose out for basically morals issues. If there is anyone who deserves to be in for his on-the-field play, it should be him. Maybe the writers need to be removed from the whole process and make it pure and purely player-driven. Some of the writers have not covered the sport for years. Um, Pete Rose will always be the, one of the most interesting guys to talk about when it comes to the Hall right. of Fame. Because I don't think now it's strictly morals driven is why he's not in the Hall of Fame. He there's a lot of like there, there's a lot of uh, you know <laughs> he, he's hurt himself in a lot of situations as well. There's yeah. there's a lot of situations post eighty nine where he has been invited to meet with the commissioner of baseball 
and things just didn't pan out because of behind the scenes issues with his personality right. and how he handled those things. So, and Hal covers a lot of that stuff in his book and Hal covers a lot, you know, he's covered that over the years coming on the show with us, but you know, but Anna's right. There was a moral thing, you know, the, the betting on baseball. Yeah. And to me, it's funny because we we're younger, we're growing up in a day and age now where we're in a day and age now where betting is everywhere. Right. Like sports, Oh, he got, Oh, he, he was gambling. Oh wow, that's why he's not in baseball. So it just sounds so outrageous to us yeah. that that is why he's not in the game in the sport right now. We're not around any, not allowed around anywhere near it. But back then, that was just you. You don't do that. You don't yeah. even bring it up. And like I still have a hard time contemplating that as why he can't be in. But it's one of those things where to me it's no big deal. But back then it was a huge, huge deal. Mm-hmm. And this is an older driven sport where you have a right. lot of people who've cover the sport back then and are still with it today who still hold the same mentality of 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, you can't bring in the fact that, like, all tradition is a big part of baseball and then try to say, like, all right, tradition doesn't matter in this aspect of it because, you know, we hear all the stories about no betting on baseball. There's a big sign in each locker room and everything like that. We hear all that type of stuff. But it is difficult, especially I can only imagine for someone that's like 15, 16 years old who's really falling in love with the game of baseball and then to find out about Pete Rose and how much of a great player he was and everything like that and look at his numbers and like, like, wait, this guy is in a Hall of Fame because he bet on the game? Like where (laughs) you got um, Floyd Mayweather betting on himself every fight, racking up millions of dollars. They got gambling shows on ESPN every single day. Like gambling is everywhere. Gambling apps, you know what I'm saying? You talked about how you like to play. We're going to be placing wagers for the Super Bowl and everything like that. It's everywhere now. So it is something that needs to be revisited. But every time, like you said, it gets revisited, something else comes up. Something like, well, hold on. That doesn't add up. That doesn't add up what you said before and everything like that. Well, I never bet on my team. I always I never bet against my team and stuff like that. It's just so murky when it comes to that. I'm not the biggest Pete Rose aficionado. I wouldn't know. So I, I try to like stay clear of that because I really don't have an opinion one way or another because that was before I really fell in love with the game of baseball. I just know like it seems fishy. That's all. Yeah. Uh- I'm the opposite. I, I think it's stupid that he's not in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reasons that he's not in, like there were some recent allegations that if you wanted to use that as to why Pete Rose shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, I'm willing to, to entertain those conversations. But the whole betting thing, uh, to me, it's just, it's never stricken a nerve with me. Mm-hmm. It's never hit home to me as, oh my gosh, I cannot believe he did that. I cannot right. forgive him. I think we have forgiven athletes for way worse right. that are still playing today. Uh, you know, there's players on the team I'm a huge fan of that have been forgiven for much worse, in mm-hmm. my opinion, um, that are still playing the sport that they love and, you know, playing in playoff games and everything else. So, uh, you know, just to me, it never hit home to me to the point where I was like, oh, I cannot believe he did that. But there are so many, un- there's so many behind the scenes issues with Pete Rose, and that's why also he's not in. But no, it, he's always used as the, the moral side of, oh, you let this individual in right. with everything he's done wrong. There you go. I mean, we talked about yesterday, too, the same team I was just talking about, the Cleveland Browns. You look at Jim Brown. Jim mm-hmm. Brown, there's a lot of things about Jim Brown that are just totally ignored yeah. and forgotten. And he is held up on a pedestal of one of you know, the faces of the all-time greats of football. What? But we are able to always separate things sometimes. And mm-hmm. we pick and choose when we want to do that. And baseball just seems, especially the voters, there's just no way. But again... The betting thing and what we're talking about with Kurt Schilling, I think, needs to be separated a little bit. But the the steroids thing, that's hard for me to – when someone says, I can't put them in the Hall of Fame because they cheated, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a ton of sense. But at the same time, when you look – when you dive deeper, it wasn't against the rules for the longest time either. 
Right. Uh, most uh, during a certain stretch of when steroids were being used, it wasn't technically against the rules, or the certain things they were using wasn't technically against the rules. And then, boom, Monday it's allowed, Tuesday it's not allowed, and then this, you know, the issues of using on Monday leading into Tuesday all right. of a sudden make you a cheater. You know, it's interesting how to kind of decipher the difference in those situations. It's so weird, man. It's so complex. It's not cut or dry. None of this stuff is cut or dry. You think about a locker room, an NFL locker room, is what, about 60 guys in there? They're all going to have different opinions about a ton of different things. We talk on this show for three hours a day. We rarely agree on anything. Nope. So to expect a locker room to be getting along kumbaya is not is not the norm. You know, uh, Larry Fitzgerald and Barry Sanders, those aren't the norm. You know, Barry Sanders scores a 60-yard touchdown, hands the ball to the referee. That's not the norm. Uh Larry Fitzgerald scores a touchdown, celebrates with his teammates. That's not the norm. The norm is, look at me, I'm going to show off, look at me. So the norm is not the norm. What you want people to be is not the norm. So you can't try to put people into these boxes to say, like, all right, man, if you act this way, this way, this way, this way, and this way, you're going to be a Hall of Famer. People are complex. People are flawed. So when you look at a Kurt Schilling, I personally think he's flawed as a person, but as a baseball player, he was awesome. And if, judging by the numbers, Pete Rose was awesome too. So, like, I, I'm almost to the point where I'm just like, man, let them all in. Let all the, let all the steroid dudes in and hit them with the asterisks at the end of their little bio. Like, look, yeah, he was accused of cheating the game, but he's a Hall of Famer. Something I don't know. And you talked about the norm. We're going to transition a little bit, and things might be returning to the norm somehow some way we're transitioning here uh into a f- college football conversation on the other side of the break we'll get back into this hall of fame conversation with the hall of famer and a hall of fame voter and hal mccoy coming up here 20 minutes from now how about this the sec uh the sec just released its football schedule for next oh, season yes. and talked about returning to norm somewhat or at least something to look forward to sec football schedule releases uh its latest schedule uh, next year's schedule and it features the return of non-conference games three power five matchups on September 4th. Uh, again, we just wrapped up a college football season, but right away, the conference that it just means more, they're already spitting out their schedule, including <laughs> non-conference games next year and everything. So, we have that coming up around the corner. Uh, like I said, we have plenty more coming your way. 457-9464. Don't go anywhere. Attention Class A CDL drivers. Looking to be more than just a number? Yoel Transportation in Dayton is looking for drivers with at least one and a half years experience. Yoel has open positions for no tarp flatbed drivers and no touch regional or local van drivers. Yoel is ELD compliant and offers 401k with... Pros bring something extra to every job. Now at the Home Depot, they also get something extra. Pro Extra. Our free loyalty program built for pros just like you. Members earn perks with every dollar spent, like Pro Extra Dollars, a tool rental credit, and more. New members. What are you going with the little Buckeye theme for? Way too early. Top 25. Oh, but that, see, you way too early on that. We weren't going there. Oh, yet. Were, oh okay. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. This was the SEC schedule release, man. Oh. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. But Happy no. now. There we go. We welcome you back. Damn, Justin a lover. Kidder, Justin Kidder, Kevin <laughs> Ashley here on 1410 Wing AM. Uh, I've gotten four people that have messaged saying that the phones are there not getting through. So we, as soon as we get that addressed and figured out, 
we will let you know. But right now, all communication is being done through, of course, Facebook. So head to Facebook, search The Justin Kidder Show, jump in on the conversation there. As we talked about, the SEC just released, uh, you know, its non-conference schedule for next year. You know, we talked about returning to normalcy a little bit. Well, non-conference has a lot of uh, normalcy sounding to, you know, sound to it, right? Uh, next season... Uh, and again, some of these games aren't that, I mean, I, I don't know why they highlighted some of these, Kev. I mean, Vanderbilt and Stanford. No one, who cares about Vanderbilt and Stanford? Nerd Bowl. And by the way, did you see Tennessee? They made their hire today. Yeah, Josh Heupel, a uh, former quarterback from Oklahoma, won their national championship back in 2000. Well, I tell you what. Normally, I would say, you know, we talk about going from the American Conference and up to a Power Five. That's an upgrade. I think an upgrade would be for a certain coach. Nebraska is a disaster right now. Mm-hmm. They're getting worse each year. If I'm Frost, I take a look at that UCF job again and go backwards. Mm. I go back. Mm. It won't happen, but I go back because right now you are nosediving to a quick – he's going to be let go in the next year or two if he doesn't turn this around. It's always difficult. It's always difficult going home. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody wants that I'm coming home LeBron James moment where he comes back to the Cavs and win a championship. I don't – Think of too many guys who go back to their alma mater and succeed. Clyde Drexler went back to coach at Houston. That was a debacle. Right now, everything that's going on at Georgetown with Patrick Ewan is a debacle. Like, I don't know too many guys that go back to their alma mater and coach and is like, oh, man, this is great. This is exactly what we wanted. Like, shoot, Harbaugh with Michigan. Like, this not turning out how they expected it to. So, right. so I don't know, man. Like, that, that's why I always... When people talk about, like, oh, man, they got to have a connection to the area. Like, yeah, you're right. They got to have a connection to the area. But when they're connected too much and it goes wrong, like, and then you got to fire a legend. Like, I mean, we may not view Scott Frost as a legend in college football, but he's a legend in Nebraska. He's got, I believe he won the Heisman Trophy at Nebraska. Well, look in this city from a college basketball perspective. You know, Anthony Grant comes mm-hmm. in. That's what made last year's run for UD, even though it came short in March, obviously no March Madness. But that's what made last year so even more special is because of the fact that it, you know, it's not just any coach that had the success with the team last year. It was a former flyer who played for Donahue, who You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there was all of that. It, it, it was just soaked in history. Like, everything that could go right went right, unfortunately, until the very end. Like, unfortunately, the very end, you know, the the tournament's pulled out from underneath. But, like, when you win with your guy, with one of your, you know, former guys, it makes it that much more special. If Michigan ever wins with Harbaugh, mm-hmm. it, it's going to be special, yes, because you're winning, but it's even more special when you win with your guy. Right. Um, you know, one of your former guys. Like, that's what, you know, Nebraska it was supposed to be that way. Like, it was supposed to be that way for them and for Scott Frost, and it has been anything. But how many, I mean, look at the transfer portal, which I know everyone's entering the transfer portal. Right. I thought I saw your name in there a little bit ago. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, but like Nebraska players left and right, top player, like guys who were supposed to be up next to get playing time, and they're they're bolting. They're not. The situation is not good at Nebraska. So, like I said, it's unlikely. It's a hot take. I get it. But Scott Frost, why don't you go? Why don't you go back to where you were actually having success? And I tell you, if you're a Cincinnati Bearcat fan, I, that's not a good. You know, UCF now they're going to be a three or four game. You know, three or four game or three or four lost team now. Moving forward, that's not good. I mean, that conference needs to be as bolstered as possible. You need as many top twenty-five games within your conference as possible. You know, Tulsa's not supposed to be as strong next year. Right. You know, Tulane's not supposed to be as good. You know, UCF was supposed to, you, right. you know, they're, be uh, better. I'm hearing rumors. Well, I saw rumors. Not here. Uh, Tony Elliott. They're trying to dial up Tony from Elliott from Clemson to, to go to UCF. To, yeah. See, I don't know. I, I mean, I. See, but Tony Elliott's name was rumored see, for Tennessee. Yeah, so I you mean, know. Would, I, 
I think UCF is a better job than Tennessee because Tennessee is about to be under some major sanctions. Would you rather go to UCF, who's consistently winning games, or go to Arkansas? I'd rather go to Arkansas, where you at least have a shot to make the playoff and not win any <laughs> you're games, not, you're right? Like UCF <laughs> and Cincinnati, and I know it's fun. I mean, we're laughing, but it's sad, actually, really. So I'm arguing why Scott Frost should go there while telling you he's <laughs> not going to go there because you have just as much chance of making the playoff at Arkansas uh, as you do, or a bad Nebraska team at this point, than you do a good UCF team. It's sad, but we've seen really good Cincinnati teams, really good UCF teams, undefeated teams. Just hey, enjoy your New Year's Six Bowl game. Uh, pat him on the head. Good job. Here's your participation trophy, and off you go. Uh, but no, like, I mean, I was kind of Look, it's not going well at Nebraska. Frost, go back to UCF. It'd be a good feel-good story. It's not going to happen. But no, I know what you're saying. But Elliot, you know, you're at Clemson. You're offensive coordinator there. You're winning that. Well, you're getting to national championship games. You're getting to the playoff every year. You got the best players in the world there. To go from that to UCF. It's a, is that a, I mean, I think it's a good move. Some of those coordinators feel move. like you just, a lateral move over to a Power 5 school is where I think some of those guys say, I don't know if he would view that as a good job or not. I mean, it's an okay I, job. Yeah, I mean, just some of the jobs that's out there and he, his name was tied to, it's like, hey man, like you're going to, I know the big bad SEC, but you're going to the SEC West where you're playing LSU, you're playing Alabama and everything like that. You shoot your playing old Miss with Lane Kiffin, who puts up points left and right. He could care less about defense, apparently, but they still put up points. I just think some of these schools that, you know, people just like, oh, man, the SEC, it means more. A lot of them schools are bums. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of them schools just ain't good. And, you know, it's going to take decades before they start winning some big games. Like, has, okay, Ole Miss, I don't think I've Ole Miss has ever won big in my life. Um, Arkansas, they had a, a run with uh, who was their coach when they uh, coached against Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl? Uh, Bobby Petrino. Oh yeah, who Bobby went to the, yeah, we all know how afterwards how everything. <laughs> yeah, went he went there. to the Falcons. Like so, so many teams out there that just his name is tied to. Maybe he's trying to hold out for like you said, Dabo going to Bama, him taking over at Clemson. Maybe that's the play. I don't know, but I a lot of them schools out there in the SEC, I'm cool. Yeah, well, Shaw chimes in. He says, no, I'm not on that train. Everyone thought UCF was going to go to crap when Frost left, so now everyone thinks UCF is going to go into the tank again. Not so fast. Look, I mean, UCF was undefeated the last year that Scott Frost was there, a 12-1 year. Uh, you know, for him, of course, the next season you have a lot of frost guys, and then of course you went twelve and one after thirteen and 0, 12 and one, then you went ten and three, and then you went six and four. So yes, I mean it's not going in the tank, but it's not going in the right direction either. Right. Like it's not like Scott Frost left and you know, it's not like, you know, when Stoops leaves Oklahoma and then here comes Lincoln Riley and just, you know, actually they went way forward. Mm-hmm. You know, Ryan Day takes over for Urban Meyer, back to back college football playoff appearances and a national title appearance since then. So no, I mean we've seen programs continue to go like you don't automatically get a, you know, pass just because you've transitioned, you know, to a new coach. A lot of these programs are expected to keep going. Yeah. So nonetheless. I'm Justin Kenner, he's Kev Nash here on fourteen ten ESPN radio. Real quick, some of the top games of the SEC non conference wise next year. Some of these sound better than what they they sounded good when you signed him, I bet. You know, when you had Kelly going to UCLA, you probably thought, oh, man, they, they're about, he's about to turn that around. It's going to be just like it was when he was at Oregon. Here we go. LSU at UCLA. Mm. LSU did not look good last year. 
You know, they, they, they didn't look great last year. I'm not sure how great they're going to be. They've lost some coordinators and everything. So LSU at UCLA next year, though, from a brand perspective, that sounds like a hell of a game. Yeah. I like that, you know, SEC, Pac-12 matchup. How about Georgia versus Clemson? This Let's one I have circled. On. That, that's the one I'm really uh, excited about. And then Miami versus Alabama. It's nice seeing Alabama play a school like Miami, but I have a feeling it's Alabama's going to roll over Miami the way we see Alabama roll over most non-conference opponents. So yeah, Bama plays Bama plays teams out of conference is just not it's Jerry's at home. world. Yeah, or it's it's neutral it's all side, these neutral yeah. side games. All right, then you have Louisville and Ole Miss again. Not a big one, but again, those are those just non-conference. Some of the bigger matchups that you'll see out of the SEC. We'll keep an eye on the Big Ten, but again, while the SEC is releasing their non-conference, the ACC is about to release theirs. You said what tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, rumor has the Big Ten is still deciding on if there will be a season next year. <laughs> uh, so we don't know what's going on exactly as far as that goes. All right, folks. Uh, the Hall of Famer Hal McCoy. We're going to switch gears here and we'll go back to the Hall of Fame discussion. Hall, Hall of Famer Hal McCoy. We're going to talk a little bit about the Reds offseason. Season. We saw pretty much every available shortstop except for one beside yesterday. Well, the Reds need a shortstop. They've been on the you know the rumor mills. I've had them taking D.D. Gregorius or Simeon or one of these top uh, shortstops free agent wise. Well, there's only one remaining, and it's D.D. Do the Reds give him the money he's asking for, or do they basically say we're going to take our chance with Garcia and go from there? D.D. Gregorius asking for two years, fifteen mil a year. That's a lot of money to invest mm-hmm. into a guy that the last couple of years, from a statistics standpoint, haven't been the greatest. But again, you add him into a lineup with what's already there in Mustakas, Castellanos, Eugenio Suarez, and others. It could be interesting. Not the worst defensive shortstop either. It could be an interesting decision that the Reds have to make. Or should they take that money? and go after a pitcher. We're going to talk about that with the Hall of Famer Hal McCoy. We'll talk a little Kurt Schilling in the Hall of Fame as well. And I'm excited to be joined by the Hall of Famer Hal McCoy. That's next. content from Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. Make sure you subscribe to the WING 14. We are Dayton's home of the Ohio State. All right, everybody, we welcome you back. Justin Kenner with you here. Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash with you here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. Uh, Jason Campo on Twitter, shout out to him. He just uh, tweeted this into the show. He said, hey, it's a different subject, but take a look at what the Texans uh, might be looking at as far as the head coach is concerned, Kev. The Texans are eyeing David Coley. Yeah, I know. That's what I said, too, huh? Uh, Ravens assistant uh, Ravens assistant coach David Cooley is really impressed through the interview process and is gaining support to be the Texans' next head coach. I bring that up just because a lot of eyes are right now on that job, saying, hey, as of right now, that job makes the most sense for Eric Bieniemy as long as Deshaun Watson is there. We don't know where Deshaun Watson is going to be. He could very well be with the Texans again next year, but if... I'm assuming David Coley is the head coach. That could be a sign right there that, hey, we're not going to go spend good money to get Biennemi to come be our head coach if we're about to trade away our quarterback and Deshaun Watson. This might be a sign that the Texans are about to move on from Deshaun Watson. Because I would have to think that if Deshaun Watson, you're going to just kind of tough it out and keep him, you're going to go get the head coach that he wanted in Biennemi. We'll see. This isn't final, but this is just the latest report from Bleacher Report that just came out about a half hour ago. So we'll keep an eye on that to get back and dive into that situation coming up here in a little bit. All right, so uh, the Cincinnati Reds tweeted out earlier today um, that, well, right as of right now, an exact month, I believe, uh, the Reds will take the field at Goodyear for their very first spring training game one month from today. And I basically tweeted out, 
I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you. I want to believe them. I want to believe that they are, that there's going to be spring training baseball a month from today. And I hope that's the case, but there's a lot that has to happen between now and then. I'm excited to bring on our next guest. We're going to talk about the Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about the Reds. Uh, we're going to talk about the offseason, when the season will start, all of that. We're bringing on Hall of Fame uh, Reds writer Hal McCoy. Hal, welcome in, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Justin. How are you doing? Good. It's been a while. I appreciate you taking time and always look forward to talking to you. Uh, so, again, the Reds on Twitter, first, pre, uh, first spring training game a month from today. If you, had to, if you had to guess, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you the season starts on time, at least spring training-wise? Uh, about a 3. Oof, lower than I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I am wrong, but, uh, you know, they're being very optimistic, and uh, there are folks in Arizona who are saying, don't even come. Uh, so I, I, I have uh, very little faith in that it'll get started on time. Is that just strictly because of the concerns of COVID-19 in Arizona, or is it more of the concerns that are out there of, again, the war between the players' union and the league? That didn't die when they came to an agreement to play last season. That was just the beginning in the eyes of most. Is that more of what people are concerned about, or is it strictly the COVID concerns in Arizona right now? Yeah, it might be a little bit of a combination, but I would say mostly uh, 90% it's uh, concerns of the uh, COVID virus. Hall of Famer Hal McCoy uh, with us here, and we'll get back into the Reds coming up in just a moment. But a lot of talk right now, Hal, about you know the Hall of Fame. Again, no members, no new members were selected uh, just the other day. And, of course, a lot of eyes and ears and, and conversations are really right now about Kurt Schilling and some of the others. I'm curious your thoughts on when it comes to the moral clause, when it comes to selecting who gets in the Hall of Fame or not, what are your thoughts on the moral clause and how much of a role should that play in guys getting in for their off-the-field antics versus on-the-field antics? Uh, I am definitely uh, with the morals clause. Okay. I mean, it, says, it says right on the ballot that uh, uh, that should be taken into consideration, and uh, I do take it into consideration. I'm probably old school, but uh, that's the way I feel about it, that uh, a Hall of Fame, uh, you, know, you should take in uh, morality clauses. When you get it, when you're when Kurt Schilling's name how it comes across your table when you look at him again and I know that I mean take out uh, you know the off the field stuff that people always look at him for as of right now take that off the table you're just looking at the resume his on the field resume what is that telling you is that a Hall of Fame resume in your opinion and did you vote for him I think it's pretty close I think uh, the main part of Schilling is what he did in the postseason uh, his other uh, stats are you know pretty doggone good and close to being Hall of Fame uh, material. But, uh, no, I did not vote for him uh, because of uh, the stuff that that had surrounded him. So at this point now, when he comes out, Hal, and he says to take him off the ballot, he doesn't want to be on the ballot next year, uh, what was your reaction when you came across, when you came across that? Did not surprise me knowing him. I mean, he's <laughs> total total anti-journalist. I mean, uh, uh, he had uh, no use for baseball writers and uh, you know, he made that request, but I, I don't think uh, uh, that he can do that. I think that the Hall of Fame uh, decides that, and he will probably be on the on the ballot again next year. Uh, I don't know what his concerns are. I mean, he came very, very close. He came within 16 votes of making it. And uh, to tell you the truth, talking to uh, uh, Hall of Fame members uh, who are on the Veterans Committee, uh, he said, uh, let's let the Veterans com- uh, Committee determine whether uh, I should make the Hall of Fame. I think they are more against him uh, 
than the writers. So I, I think he's, <laughs> I think he's uh, whistling in the dark when he uh, when he says something like that. Now he wants taken off for next year, Hal. But you know how you stick it to him. You you, you vote for him <laughs> next year. That, that's how you really show him, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. He's already off my ballot. So you know what's the difference. Absolutely. No, so again, you got the the typical names now: Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. Those names are going. I mean, they're, we're coming close to getting to the point where the cutoff time for them is not too far off in the distance. But uh, again, when those names come across your table as well, nothing changes for you. Correct? Is it strictly the steroid usage that keeps them off yours? Absolutely. Barry Bonds is uh, probably one of the uh, all-time great players. Uh, belongs in the Hall of Fame, but you got to put him in the same category as Pete Rose. Uh, what uh, he did off the field, I mean, he uh, he admitted under oath that uh, he took uh, PEDs. Although you know, he said he didn't know what it was at the time that his uh, his personal trainer gave them to him, and he didn't know what they were. Well, you know, you believe that believe that or not, uh, I just uh, uh, have to consider that uh, he was a PED user, and uh, Roger Clemens was in the Mitchell report. You know, he continues to deny it, but. Uh, he is in the Mitchell report uh, as uh, being a user, so uh, I haven't voted for him for nine years, and uh, I'm not going to vote for him on the 10th year. It's uh, the last time both of them will be on the ballot. Uh, they will not get my vote. Uh, I, I just don't understand the, the voting anyway. Uh, I've always said that uh, a player should be on the ballot one time. He's either, he's either a Hall of Famer or he isn't. If he doesn't make it on the first ballot, his stats don't get any better as the years go by. The stats stay the same. So uh, if he makes it on the fifth ballot, uh, you know, that just doesn't make too much sense to me. You know, you're, and you're right, though, because a lot of voters, they'll, they'll, you know, as you know, it's, okay, well, do I want to vote for him? Yes, but I'll vote for him another year. I'm going to focus on these guys this year. I mean, that would eliminate that, and it would force you to decide, hey, Hall of Famer or not, off you go, and it would increase that urgency of making a decision on a certain guy. But that would that would be... That, that would hurt a lot. of I mean, Barry Bonds, that would definitely hurt them. Is there any chance at all you see that changing for guys like that? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, he uh, Bonds got 61% of the vote, I believe. Uh, I can't see him uh, getting 14 more percent next year. I could be wrong. Maybe some uh, guys will say, okay, I've kept him off my ballot for nine years. That's punishment enough. Uh, now I'll vote for him. But uh, I was just... Uh, so happy that he didn't make it this year because you know he broke uh, Hank Aaron's record and Hank Aaron died uh, this week. I just uh, thought it would be reprehensible that he would go into the Hall of Fame uh, the same week that uh, Henry Aaron died. How you spoke about the morality clause on the Hall of Fame ballots? Do the other Hall of Fames like the NBA, well, the Basketball Hall of Fame and NFL? Do they have the same clauses on their voting process? You know what? I do not know that. I have not. Uh, I've never been uh, uh, afforded one of their ballots, so I haven't seen it. So I don't know that. Uh, I have not heard that. I've only heard it uh, from baseball. How about when you hear people say, "Well, the Hall of Fame, it's about what they do on the field and not been To your point, how you did say that, hey, right there on the ballot, it says the moral clause. You know that plays a role. But when you hear people uh, say, "Well, you know, it's about what they do on the field, not off the field," how do you rebuttal that? Is it just a simple, "Hey, it's on the ballot. That's how we we vote." Uh, how do you rebuttal that? Yeah, that's exactly what I say. It is on the ballot. It is to be considered, and it's to uh, be considered highly. If it were. If it were not on the ballot, if that was not the case, then uh, 
uh, you know, things would change mightily. So I know the writers take a lot of criticism for taking the uh, moral high stand, but uh, that's all part of the process. It's, it's on the ballot, so you have to consider it. I, I, that's the way I feel. Hall of Famer Hal McCoy with us. How what's how long have you been a Hall of Fame voter? What was the first year? What, what was the first uh, player that got the Hal McCoy vote? Oh boy, you're really putting me on the spot now. <laughs> you know, I've I've covered baseball now for 48 years, and uh, so I think the first time uh, uh, you have to be a member of the baseball writers 10 years, and I think I became a member in 1968. So 1978 would have been my uh, my first ballot, but I'll be darned if I can recall who I voted for. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I under- re- yeah, I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, <laughs> let alone that. You and me both. All right, Hall of Famer, I'm going to go with this. Hey, before we, we go, I do want to tra- you know transition a little bit to the Cincinnati Reds this coming up season. Uh, for a team that unloaded so much talent from a year ago that got them to the playoffs during an expanded playoff COVID-stricken 60-game year, uh, somehow, some way, with all the players they've given up on, how they're still the favorites to win the NL Central somehow. Uh, it's the process of elimination from some of the other team's top talents as well. Without the Reds making another move from here on out, you view this roster and you think what? Well, you're right in the fact that you know, I was shocked when I saw that Las Vegas made the Reds the, uh, the favorite to win the division. But, you know, you look, the Cubs are dumping and uh, uh, Pittsburgh is dumping. Uh, uh, you know, Milwaukee is uh, not dumping and the Cardinals are kind of uh, reloading or losing players of free agency. But uh, if the Reds, you uh, know, they're dumping salary, and they're adding a bunch of players that nobody ever heard of. So, you know, I can't say that I think they're going to win the division. If, you know, they went all in last year. They spent $175 million to bring in a bunch of free agents, and none of them performed up to the back of their baseball cards. If they would do that, then I would say, you know, the Reds have a great chance. But all those guys have to... Play to uh, what they have done in the past, and I don't know if they can do that. I mean, you look what they hit last year, 212. Unbelievable. How bad is that? And uh, they, they can only do anything. They can do nothing more than improve, that's for sure. So uh, with the pitching rotation they have, even though they have uh, uh, lost Trevor Bauer and uh, Anthony DeSclafani, they're still pretty strong. Uh, the rumors were all winners that they were going to trade Sonny Gray and they were going to trade uh, Louis Castillo. Well, they haven't done that, and I don't think they're going to do it now. So the rotation is uh, still pretty strong. So uh, I think they definitely have a chance to win the division, but uh, I wouldn't make them the favorites. The Cardinals always seem to find players out in the cornfield somewhere, <laughs> and, uh, and they're always, they always uh, reload and do well. Yeah, I feel like with the Reds this offseason, it's been interesting because you talked about those rumors and the reports out there that the Reds were looking to shop, you know, Sonny Gray and Castillo, and that they're, you know, looking to go in full salary dump mode. You would hear that one week, and then the next week is, oh, they send a scout out, they send, a, you know, a coach out to take a look at Corey Kluber, or they're taking a look at Didi, or they're taking a look to try to maybe make a trade at the time with Cleveland, uh, who still had Francisco Lindor. And then the next week, it's, oh, no, they're looking to trade Eugenio Suarez now. There was just so much back and forth with that, that just the Reds doing their due diligence of keeping. Keeping an eye on all available uh, on all available players and opportunities, as well as seeing what they can get in return for their players for future usage. In your opinion, yeah, there's no doubt about that. That's probably mostly that other uh, other teams hear that the Reds are dumping salary, so they give the Reds a call and say, you know, what do you take for Eugenio Suarez? And uh, 
what will you what will you take for Luis Castillo? And I'm sure the Reds uh, uh, made it a high ceiling, uh, wanting all the other team's best prospects, and so it probably uh, uh, just died after the phone calls. Last year was weird seeing the Reds kind of open up the wallet a bit and go after guys like Moustakis and, and Castellanos and others. And it's weird because I'm like, you go that, I mean, you made those decisions. You've traded for Bauer in the past. You know, you did the tra- you know, sign and trade with Sonny Gray. You came that far just to get to this point. I mean, are you surprised that they have not made additional moves to try to take that next step forward? Or was that just a, uh, you know, one last gasp of air just trying to win with what they had last year, in your opinion? Yeah, I think last year they went all in hoping that uh, they could win, and they did make the playoffs only because the playoffs were expanded. Uh, and I, I am a bit surprised when they when they see what the rest of the teams are doing in the division, if they would uh, just add a couple of pieces, if they would add a, a D.D. Gregorius to play shortstop and uh, shore up the bullpen a little more, uh, you know, they would be able to compete. But uh, uh, like most teams, uh, they lost so much money last year that uh, – uh, Bob Castellini just decided, uh, no, let's, uh, let's go the other way. So, uh, here we go again, starting another rebuild. Last thing here on the red. Oh, really? A re- that's not what I want to hear. Not, <laughs> not, not in the slightest. DD Gregorius reports are two years, 15 mil is what he's looking for. Uh, last Reds question, and we'll let you go. Do they have it in them? Will they pull the trigger on that? Is, are they thinking about it? Do you think? I mean, what are the odds that the Reds end up with DD Gregorius two years, 30 million? My big thing is, you know what? We see teams sign guys for big contracts all the time. This would be kind of a similar contract to what Mustakis and Castellanos got. You sign them, you use them for one year, and then you dump them after a year like they're going to do with everybody else anyways. Why wouldn't they do it? Yeah, I know. It, uh, it's kind of a, a mysterious situation. Uh, I, I have a feeling that uh, other than the Reds, the Phillies are trying to re-sign him. And uh, he had a great year for the Phillies last year. And I, I have a feeling that he's going to re-sign with the Phillies and uh, the Reds are going to be left out in the cold again and probably end up with uh, young uh, Jose Garcia playing shortstop. All right, Hal, last thing, and we'll let you go. Uh, you mentioned the passing of Hank Aaron a little bit ago. Just send us out with some of your favorite Hank Aaron memories before we go. Well, not a better person in the world, just an unbelievable guy. Uh, the first time I ever met him was uh, 1973, and uh, Earl Lawson from the Cincinnati Post was my mentor, and uh, he took me into the uh, Braves uh, clubhouse with him, and uh, he had established a pretty good rapport with uh, Hank, with Hank Aaron, and he introduced me to Hank, and uh, you know, I just stood there and listened to him for a while. And the next time uh, I saw him, uh, uh, the next series, so it had to be a, a month or so away, I went up to him, and he said, Hello, Hal, how are you doing? Hmm. And that was so impressive to know that... Uh, Hank Aaron, uh, the legendary Hank Aaron, uh, would remember my name and had a good rapport with him the rest of his career. Just a totally, absolutely class act. Uh, you know, when you talk about class act people, he's the head of the class. You know, I mean, you're around stars your entire career. Uh, I mean, is that one of the only times you were starstruck? I mean, uh, if were you starstruck, I guess it sounded uh, very similar to that. But I'm curious, was that the only time you felt like that about a player coming up to you and knowing who you were? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, Steve Garvey did the same thing, but uh, he was very good at that and uh, seemed to remember everybody's name, and he, he did the same thing with me. Only two, uh, uh, quote, superstars that ever did that, but uh, the, the, to have Hank Aaron, who I uh, consider uh, probably uh, in the top three all-time great players in baseball, to uh, 
to remember my name when I was just a young kid. That was, that's pretty awesome. All right, uh, Schlemmer just messaged me. By the way, he said to leave you alone. You got to get back to your your, your ponies. You got to get back to your bedding. So uh, <laughs> that's how we'll end this conversation. So there you go. And you didn't take yeah. the horse named after me or Byers today. I'm a little disappointed. Well, you know, I, not only that, I make sure I never pick a horse that Schlemmer picks. That's, that's a sure. That's a sure loser. <laughs> All right, Hall of Famer Hal McCoy, good enough to hang out with us here this afternoon. Hal, thank you so much for your time. We'll catch up soon. Anytime, guys. You take care of yourselves. Later. All right, good stuff there. Again, that was the Hall of Famer Hal McCoy. If you just tuned in in the middle of that to want to go back and catch, and check it out, head to wing. you can head to wingam.com here in about 10 minutes. It'll be posted there. You can also subscribe and download the Justin Kinner Show podcast in your Apple iTunes and Google Play Store. When you subscribe and download to the podcast, well, that's where you will be able to get the show in its entirety as well as select segments in all interviews, including the conversation we just had with the Hall of Famer Hal McCoy. Just to be clear, a month from today, the Reds will have their very first spring training game against Cleveland. Let's get it on. The Cleveland no-names, all right? the Cle- You know, they're, they're like the Washington no-names in the, in the NFL, right? A month from today, we open the conversation with Hal McCoy on a scale of 1 to 10. How confident is he that the Reds will be playing in spring training action a, week, a month from today? Didn't have a good answer. We're going to discuss what that answer was on the other side. Baseball fans, I would like to think that, you know, good times are around the corner, but I, I don't know how far down the road that corner is. We'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash when we come back. Everybody, we are back. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. 457-9464. We do have the phone lines uh, back up and rolling. So if you do want to attempt to call into the show, we will open those up. Uh, big thank you to the Hall of Famer, Hal McCoy, uh, for taking time and hanging out with us a bit here on the show today. And, uh, yeah, so we'll get back to some of the comments uh, on fa- there we go. Back on Facebook. Had to pull that back up. Uh, going back through this, uh, Matt Sturgeon says, any mention of UD's road win over number 21, St. Louis? Uh, keep in mind, Matt likes to, he gets mad anytime I say anything remotely critical of his team. And to be clear, they were number 22, not number 21, just if I'm going to be petty. He doesn't like that when I'm, if I compliment Wright State right away, he has, he throws a hissy fit. Yeah, he, mm. he doesn't like it. But anyways, no, last night, that was a huge win. Like, you, we can't figure out this UD team right now, like we've seen them lose to the worst of the worst. They've lost to LaSalle. They've lost to Fordham, but they've also beat Mississippi State. They've beat Ole Miss. They beat a top 25 team uh, last night in St. Louis. And look, last night, look, St. Louis, I think the last time they played was December 23rd. Like they hadn't played in over a month. Uh, so, I, I mean, like that, that's, I mean, UD did a good job of, you know, capitalizing on that opportunity. And St. Louis thought an opportunity light, but no, that's a huge road win against a top 25 school. And that's exactly what UD needed to hopefully kind of turn, turn around the momentum a little bit. So they got Rhode Island coming up. 
Um, you know, so they got some big games still coming up, but that that's probably their toughest opponent they have remaining. There's still some tough opponents left, but that was probably their toughest uh, opponent on the schedule uh, up until you know last night. So it's going to be interesting to see how they counter off of that. But no, nonetheless, that they needed a win like that. And they got to 20 pretty quickly. They got, I think, to 20 points around nine minutes instead of, uh, you know, 13 points in the first half that we were talking about yesterday. So they 36. came out firing, by the way. Like, Cruncher was unbelievable. They were shooting, you know, shooting the ball well from behind the three-point line. Uh, so that was big. And then, of course, uh, uh, David Shaw says, uh, no, it's UD. If Wright States would have, it would have led the show. Okay, Shaw, quality programming every time you uh, chime in. <laughs> uh, and then Ron Howard, the adult that he is, is talk football tubby. I, I just I don't get it. I I I I don't know why I give I don't know why I give Ron a platform. I have no clue. Y'all gotta stop abusing my guy, man. Come on, man. I mean they're right. I mean I don't work out. I don't eat. I don't eat very well. I mean I would be like I would be more pissed if I was actually like working out and trying to get healthy, but I'm not. So like you know I mean you know but see Ron's anxious and he's anxious because we were talking Reds baseball we were talking stuff that wasn't you know he's all excited you know I don't know if you saw it remember hey Ron I, I you know I saw your little weird picture you took on Facebook you holding the football like you're Tom Brady or something you guys are the same age too if I'm not mistaken <laughs> not 100% sure uh, but good stuff there from uh, Hal McCoy. Now, Matt's a good dude. Matt says, man, I could listen to Hal all day. Hal's great. And I mm-hmm. thought he was perfect to bring on today just, of course, to dive into a lot of the, the Hall of Fame discussion. Uh, Hal didn't pull any punches. Uh, I, did, I wasn't going to argue with you. You know, I love to argue with people. I'll argue with callers. I'll argue with uh, you. I'll argue with Schlemmer. Oh, yeah. I'll argue with anybody. But when Hal McCoy says, I mean, he was very short. He, he goes, oh, no. <laughs> Ethics matter. Uh, you ain't getting in if you. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I, I'm just Justin Damn Kenner. I'm nobody. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that was on the ballot. Like the moral clause was on the ballot. I never knew that. I didn't know if that was like a. Un, I didn't know that either. And I didn't know if it was like a little unwritten rule that they they just kind of stick to because baseball is known for that. But no, right. I, I mean from that point, I guess. And I always say, just because you don't like the rule doesn't mean you 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 don't have to follow it. Like, that's my big thing. I always say about that in sports when people complain about the penalties, like with the targeting rule in football. Like last year when Ohio State, the Fiesta Bowl with the Clemson game, I always said, look, just because you don't like the rule doesn't mean that it's, you know, that they're wrong for coming, the official made the rule. So here, just because you don't like the, you know, I don't like the moral clause in there. But if it's a part of it, then okay. Now it makes a little bit of sense as to why some guys are not getting the benefit of the doubt or getting that extra push um, with that. But yeah, Kurt Schilling, when you're a fringe guy and you don't make good decisions off the field, and keep in mind, it's not just the stuff we talked about earlier. There's a lot of other behind-the-scenes stuff with them, too, that's kind of, you know, it makes it difficult at times. But keep in mind, like, Barry Bonds and them, I mean, do you, at some point they're going to get in. It's know, not going to be through the meet. It's not going to be through the riders, though. I don't know, man. But Hal made a good point, too, about the older guys, they dislike these guys more than the than the media does. Right. I just don't get. I mean, again, it's the same tired I guess argument. You're trying to guess this figure, like, all right, this regime of the writers will eventually fade away and everything like that, and then a new crop of people will be voting. And I mean, we've seen their numbers increase over the years, so mm-hmm. you might be right. But I mean, it's going to be a long time, dude. I loved Hal's opinion on once you're immediately eligible to be a Hall of Famer, everyone just votes Hall of Famer or not. Your numbers aren't getting better. Right. Why does it need to be a, a you know a year by year drawn out process? I mean, the second that you are eligible to be a Hall of Famer, you're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. You're not going to get better. So I kind of I agree with them on that, and that's why I brought up. I think a lot of writers, like oh you know, we'll get to them later. 
We'll get to him later. Mm-hmm. You know, you just keep pushing guys back because it's like, I don't, I mean, I think he's a Hall of Famer, but I feel like these other guys are better, so I'm going to give them the attention they need first. Forget that. Second, you're eligible to be a Hall of Famer. Boom. You're in or you're not. The voters should vote on it. You are or you're not, and, and move on. But nonetheless, that is the process. And to be honest, it's kind of good for sports talk because uh, every <laughs> year you have these, you know, these talking points to look at. So, no, we asked how, on the scale of one to three, how confident he is that the season's going to start on time. A month from today, the Reds are scheduled to have their very first spring training game against Cleveland in Arizona. On a scale of one to ten, Hal says three. Not very confident that the season's going to start on time. Now, a lot of it has to do, yes, with some of the COVID concerns in Arizona. Uh, there is, you know, a high level, high level spikes there, uh, and the outbreak there, of course. So that's what has a lot of people concerned about having spring training there. But let's be clear. NFL, I mean, there were, Arizona's been high for a while. Right. And there's been a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of games played there, whether it's the NBA, whether it's not NBA, but the, the NFL and others. My point is, is again, we've played through this pandemic for almost a year now. There's ways to counter it. There's ways to bubble. There's ways to, to, to play through it. I don't think it's not going to start on time because of COVID, Kev. I think it's not going to start on time because of the on-lasting war that is the players' union versus the league. If anyone thought that last year when they finally agreed upon a season, if you thought that that was them shaking hands and saying, okay, I'm glad we're friends again, right. that is definitely not the case. That was more of still of a middle finger to the players. You know, keep in mind the players had to take. I think they made like thirty percent of what they were supposed yeah. to make in a hundred sixty-two or hundred sixty game season. You know, when you play your hundred sixty whatever games, they only made you know so they only made thirty percent of what they were supposed to. So they're pissed. And then to, ca- to to cap it off, Kev, if you remember, towards the very end of the season, Major League Baseball announces this billion dollar postseason TV deal, right? And the players were fuming. The players' union was like, "Well, we want a cut of that. Well, we want a cut of that." And they were fuming. So, again, we knew that all of that was going to just be not forgotten about. It was just going to be used as leverage Never for their later. next you know, negotiation. Like, these players aren't about to go through the hell that they went through last year, again, making the same amount of money that they made. They want some of their money back. So it's going to be – but my thing is everyone lost last year. Everyone yeah. took a hit. I'm not a fan – and I keep hearing I heard today on the show, well, the players' union says, well, the contract says we get this – there's a lot of contracts that a lot of teams and owners and everything in the court. Well, of course, the owners got the majority of the money. It's their team. It's no different than in our business. Right. The company gets all the money. Like That's just how it goes. It's mm-hmm. unfortunate. It is what it is. I just think that it's too many egos and heads are going to clash. That's and what's going to happen. as usual, the fans lose out the most. Yep. But the fans weren't. They crapped all over the fans last year. Baseball looked horrible last year. Yeah. They, I mean, it was... But like always, we always, fans always say, this is going to tune me away. Once the game started, you tuned in. I said I was pissed and wasn't going to tune I tuned in. <laughs> I was pulling for the Reds in the World Series, or the World Series, in the playoffs, I mean, World Series. Well, you that's tuned in joke. because they got good. But, but that's what but I'm saying, they, though. If they, they would have continued to play how they were playing in the early part of the season, and when you went on your vacation, they went on that great mm. winning streak. Yep. That's why I need more vacations. <laughs> like, I noticed you tuned in a lot more when they were winning. I mean, I know you were keeping track of the games, but like when when they were on that streak, you was texting me nightly. <laughs> well, well, that too. But keep in mind, that's a given. Yes, that, that's any year though. I said I wasn't going to tune in last year because the players had disgusted me. When you had was it Blake Snell or whoever yeah, it was that, that came out and said playing and video I, games, I'm playing video games. 
man, I'm, I'm risking my life. And he's coming in, like, being very dramatic. You know, if you want to strip it down to at the time of not knowing what COVID was going to bring to the table at the time, I thought it was very dramatic. Uh, I thought it was very over the top. And I'm going to get mine and blah, blah, blah. I just thought that that was very selfish at the time of, hey, shut up. Like, just be quiet. You don't know what's even happening. Yet. You're, you're, you know, the, you know, the fans are at that time. Keep in mind, that's when the whole entire country shut shut down. Unemployment. That's it was fr- like right now we're unemployment's high and we're kind of settled into that. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's at the time it was fresh. So many people lost their jobs. And here he is saying, oh, no, I'm not going to I want all my millions. I don't just want some of my millions. I want all of it as if we're supposed to feel sorry for him. So when I said I wasn't going to tune in, I was pissed is because of that, not because of, oh, well, my team's going to be bad, so I'm not going to tune in. <laughs> but my point was is that fans always say because of that they're not going to tune in. But once the games start, you tune in. Yeah, Your fandom doesn't just shut off because of that. I know people say, oh, no, that deterred me from being. Then you weren't that big a fan of it to begin with. If you're a diehard fan, you're not going anywhere. You're going to be upset. You're going to be angry, but you're not going anywhere. True. All right, four five seven nine four six four. Are we... Oh, yeah, let's go to Dickie. Dickie, how are you? Uh, did he hang up? Dickie! Oh, my God. Just hang up. Just hang up. Oh, my God. What the hell just happened? <laughs> Was that the true American? That's what it said. <laughs> On that note, we're going to break. We will be right back. The, the toilet was flushing. It was a break. <laughs> what Go the hell? Break. The toilet was flushing. And that, wash your hands. Don't call back with your pee-pee fingers. Like, wash your hands. That's gross. I want to hear the damn toilet flushing. We'll be back. That was awesome. <laughs> A former Buckeyes great and now a college football Hall of Famer. And don't forget about his 13. 13- Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash, back with you here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. This news came during the break. We talked about how, of course, uh, the Tennessee filled their coaching vacancy. One name that was being floated around that was still just more rumor than anything else. Jason Witten was one of the rumor names to potentially be a coach at Tennessee. Obviously, that is not the case. But after 17 seasons in the National Football League, Jason Witten is retiring for a second time now. <laughs> uh, he intends to sign a one-day contract and retire a member as the Dallas Cowboys uh, in March when his contract with the Las Vegas Raiders expires. At the end of the year, he's going to retire at 38 years old. He played 16 full seasons with the played 16 full seasons with the Cowboys and spent 2020 with the Raiders. Uh, and again, no tight end in NFL history has played more games than Jason Witten, 271 uh, games. He's the and again, only Hall of Famer Tony Gonzalez has more receptions and yards at that position. So it's obvious Jason Witten will be a future uh, Hall of Famer. Only tight end that has more catches than Jason Witten is Tony Gonzalez. I'd say that's a pretty. If you're going to trail somebody, Tony Gonzalez is the tight end. Uh, that you know, you, you don't feel no shame uh, in that. Uh, Seventeen years, just a long time. It's a very long time, dude. Like I remember him at Tennessee. I remember him playing football at Tennessee. Wore number one. Like it was like man, the tight ends wearing number one. That looks cool. Like man, that's a long time to be playing in the league. All right, four five seven nine four uh, six four. It's the number to call in. Joining on the conversation, we, is he back? By the way, yes. We got Dicky. Dicky, how are you, sir? Hey, Justin. Hey, Kevin. Hey, hey. Uh, hey, Justin. I want to say one thing, and Kevin. Uh huh. The Browns really were great this year. They oh yeah. 
I couldn't believe that they beat the Steelers twice. Did you? Have we talked to you since then? No, not since then. Uh, I'm I'm sort of. I had to take my last week of vacation. You know, I've I've just been checking around. I've done pretty good. You know, but uh, I'm saying that um, I'm saying Stefanski deserves Coach of the Year. Oh, I'm with you. For a while, I was I was uh, in the Brian Flores uh, boat for that, but because ultimately. The Browns made the playoffs, and the, and the you know the Dolphins did it. I, I'm going to go to Kevin Stefanski, but uh, Flores is just as deserving. But I think Kevin Stefanski did a fantastic job. Again, it's one thing to win anywhere you go, but to, the way that he was able to kind of corral this team to buy into what he was trying to accomplish there that speaks volumes about how he just yeah. controlled that locker room. Yeah, hey, you know, I I was uh, I like Hal McCoy's call. I don't know if he ever, but I've written in there about you know the Reds and stuff. Uh-huh. You know, I guess maybe. I don't know if he, it's handwritten, you know, I, I, I write a lot, I've never been in there. Oh, we've seen, we've seen your cards, we get them all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have every card you've sent us here in the studio. Yeah, well, you know, you gotta, hey, you know, during this, you gotta keep your buddies and your friends and people that you know in sports, you know? Absolutely, we try, I'm not joking, Dickie, we have every card you've ever, even back when Schlummer was here, we have every card you sent us. Hey, I, I just wanted to say to you, my, my cousin lives Ted Falls. She's a diehard, you know, Indians fan. She's told me this year she was going to go, but she called me about the Browns and everything. And, you know, it was so neat. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, there's been Browns fans for decades waiting to experience what they got to experience a few weeks ago. So, no, it, it's it's an exciting time. I, I promise you that much. And I don't think it's the last time they get there. I think they're going to be a playoff team again next year. We'll see yeah. what they do this off season. Uh, Dickie, you think there'll be a baseball season starting on time? No, I don't. Why not? I don't know. I, I hope they do. I, I heard they were supposed to get 162 games in, aren't they? The, well, the plan is to have, I mean, to start. Everything. I mean, a month from today is supposed to be the very first spring training game that actually yeah. features the Reds and the Cleveland baseball team. So, but I don't think it starts on time either. But no, oh, the goal I is to get a full season in. Too, Justin and Kevin, as you know, by you know when Ark was there, by hobby, you know, his music and all that stuff. But I've got a couple leads. Uh, uh, City of Beaver Creek called me. Uh, we're not been playing. We'll be back. Mar- uh, Feb- uh, wait a minute, February thirteenth, but. A couple of my friends, the Beaver Creek Strummers, and then there's this place in Fairborn. This guy called me. He said there's a little session, so, uh, you know, I'm getting... You're going to get back to playing, huh? Huh? You're going to come out of retirement, huh, and get back to playing? Yeah, well, yeah. Atta boy. Yeah. I was practicing the other day, but I uh, this lady called me out and told me about it, and a couple of my friends, this one guy plays a steel guitar, so... I've got some pretty good leads coming up. Atta boy, we'll get you know. That's good that you got some plans coming up. Hey, it was good talking to you. Yeah, have a great day. I'll keep in touch. Go Later. Browns. Go Browns. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, that was Dicky. I was going to say we hadn't heard from him since the Browns uh, made the playoffs, and you could tell how excited he was there. It's the Justin Kidder Show with Kevin Nash right here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. The Hal McCoy interview is posted, so subscribe, download to the Justin Kidder Show podcast, and you'll have access to that. You can go back and listen to it in your leisure. But we covered a lot with Hal, uh, learned a lot in that conversation, about a good 15-minute conversation with Hal about the Hall of Fame. Of course, you know he's been a voter for a long time. I tried to ask him who was the very first player that received his vote he couldn't remember mm. who the first player was that's how many i mean that's a lot it's decades we're talking decades uh of you know votes that he has had to submit so interestingly enough but it's a good conversation um back to the face what were we gonna say no no no, you're um, good back to the facebook feed uh vincent waller says uh, a, a prediction for ohio state football 
The Tate Martell saga comes full circle. He transfers back to OSU, wins the starting job, gets benched midway through the season <laughs> due to poor play and two losses, leaves the team and resurfaces in the CFL two years later. You've thought that out. <laughs> You've really thought that out. I mean, my goodness. Man, where is he going to end up, man? UCF. They need a quarterback. No, they don't. I thought the quarterback transferred. No. Um, that, um, the, for, the old quarterback yeah, transfer, the McKenzie, one that got hurt. Okay. McKenzie Milton transferred, but uh, Gabriel, who led him uh, uh, the last couple of years, is still there. I I mean, isn't it time like to go back home to the West Coast? Like, I mean, you're from... You know, Las Vegas, like, I mean, you've been out this way for this long. I would imagine you probably want to get home, right? I mean, uh, who knows at this point? He, he enjoyed Miami. Welcome to Miami. Yeah, hey, hey. I'm, hey. Good for him, by the way. <laughs> I was just about to say. You already know what I'm talking about, too. <laughs> Holy smokes. I mean, <laughs> that was impressive. I ain't even going to lie. Uh, good for him, as I said. But, no, I mean, I don't know where he ends up. I mean, I don't think he's a starter at a high Power 5 school. No, he's definitely not because, you know why? He hasn't played at all. Like the he, American? Dude, I, I, he don't have any reps. He don't have any reps. Like He has some backup reps with the Buckeyes, and that's it. He has no reps. So you're not going to, like, no Power 5 school or even uh, non-Power 5 school, like, yeah, come on, man, you're going to be the guy that we give the keys to. Like, I think you he's don't just have done. Any, yeah. I think he's just done. But it, it's amazing to me. I mean, he clearly had the tools. I mean, obviously, he was recognized. He got recruited, committed to Ohio State. I mean, Miami picked him up right away. I mean, that's the thing. He left Ohio State because Justin Fields was coming in, and if you're going to lose the starting job, at least it's to someone like that that's super talented. And we just assumed when he left and went to Miami, and he got you know cleared to play right away, that he was going to be the guy in Miami, and then he ends up not being the starter when that season started. And, hell, he wasn't even a I mean, At one point, he was MIA in the middle mm-hmm. of the season. Wasn't even a quarterback by the end of the season. It was a complete mess. Uh, Jason Campos says that the crystal ball says that Tate is a running rebel. Mm. Going home. That's what you talked about. I, I mean, but well, that doesn't mean he'll play. Right, yeah. I mean, because, I mean, dude, he's a senior. Like, this this saga has been going on long enough for him to be a redshirt senior coming up this year. And drama is always uh, worth it if you have the talent to back it up. Yeah, but these school—I mean, Miami—we're not dealing with that. But actually, they did deal with it because they, they kept him on the roster a little bit too long, and he's not good enough to put up with that. Is he good enough to get another chance? Who knows? Uh, but either way, I mean, I mean, entering the transfer portal—I mean, that could have been Miami just saying, you know, I think it's best we just part ways. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to be starting over Derek King next year. Like, no. So, but for him, a backup to Derek King or. A backup for a good Power 5 job is still better than being a starter for some crap school that he's going to end up going to because he's not going to the NFL, so I don't know what... I mean, if yeah, playing I mean, time means that much to you, more power to you. Yeah, to, to play, to, to, all right, say, hey, I want to play one one last time because this I'm not going to the NFL. I'm probably not going to the CFL. I want to play competitive football for one last time and be out there and play some football instead of holding a clipboard. Like, that's got to be his mindset because... He has nothing else. I mean, I, I I hope he paid attention in school and took advantage of getting that education. Buckeye fans, how come I don't feel that same sense of pride about him as you do Joe Burrow? We need to stop saying once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye, because you guys don't mean it. Buckeye fans, stop spewing that. I hear flyers do it once a flyer, always a flyer. No, that's not true. It's only if they're still good. Like, you know, where's Sam Miller at, by the way? Where did he end up? Sam Miller. I don't even know who that is. A big old post player when Archie was here. 
got punched a guy. He got sent to jail. Mm. I don't even know where he is now. It was an impressive punch, though. Actually, he got punched. He didn't. He didn't punch the guy. He got punched. You didn't see the video go viral. No. no. I'm, that's what we're doing during the break. Let me see that. Let me see. It was like Paul versus uh, Nate Robinson. <laughs> Not joking. <What laughs> it was just far. It was and sleep. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Way off topic here. How about this? Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, they reward. Pat Fitzgerald with a 10-year deal. Pat Fitzgerald, his name got brought up for some potential NFL jobs. Mm-hmm. This Brought up for the Bears. This reminds me of like when, when Purdue, the year after Purdue beat Ohio State, they gave their coach, Braum, they gave him a big 10-year contract or a big deal. I don't know if it was 10. It was a big, it was a big contract. That's what, this is the big 10 just, I don't know. But he's one of their own. He's won plenty of games there, like... I'm saying that without having a counter of who they should have hired, but it's like, he did, by the way, he's done his job. He's a great coach. He's done a good job there, but it's like, I think that's as good as they're going to be. Like, I don't think they get any better than they're just good, solid defensive team, capable scoring, they have a good run game, you know, he capable the, passing. He was on the, uh, he was the starting linebacker on the team that went to the Rose Bowl back in, I want to say, 95, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, been their head coach for a long time. Like, He's the longest tenured coach there, and I think he's only like 42 years old or something like that. Like, it was second, obviously, to, uh, uh, I was going to say Fitzgerald, but he's Fitzgerald, uh, to Iowa's coach. So, I mean, he's been there Ferentz. for a long time. yeah, there you go. He's been there for a long time. I think he's a great head coach. Like, he, people that always try to connect dots with him, like, oh, man, he's going to take over at Penn State. He's not taking another college job. The only job he's going to take is he's going to go to the pros if he ever does it. You don't think he takes any job outside of Northwestern? No. My, but here's my problem with the Big Ten. Because he's had plenty of opportunities. Like, and I feel bad even criticizing this because this is a good – it's a big deal for North. I think there's a huge – it's a good signing for Northwestern, a signing extension. Be- it's just – but you're not going – the program, it, it is what it is. It's not – it's there. It's not going anywhere. It's just – it's not going to go up from here. And there's too many programs like that in the Big Ten where, you know, Purdue has a good year. That good year just means you beat Ohio State, but you still had two to three, four lot. I mean, the, it's is the Big Ten better because of this? It's not worse because think, of it. I think they are. But it's not better for it. I, don't, I just think they're not worse for it. They're just not better for it. That's I, the, I think the Big Ten's been running it. in place for way too long, though. That's the I problem. think they're better for it because if he leaves, then you lose that, that feel and that Northwestern, like, all right, you better come to play. They'll, if you don't play Northwestern straight up, they'll they'll get you. Yep. And if he goes somewhere, they're going to lose some of that. Like, he is the program. Like, I mean, he's like one of like Think about it. He's been there since, I want to say, 2000. I want to say he's been there, like, since 2002. I'll Google that to make sure. But well, he's like, going to be with them through 2030. So. <laughs> he ain't going nowhere, man. You live in Chicago. Great city. Great schools. Your alma mater. Good for him, man. Yeah, like he, you know, 46-year-old. 46 years old. Uh, he was the coach of the year in 2020, won the Big Ten coach of the year in 2018. You know, several NFL teams really showed interest in him. Uh, like I said, it's not a bad sign. It's a good sign. It's just for the Big Ten. It's just kind of, okay, good. It keeps them going. It keeps them winning games. I just don't know what it does. I guess I'm looking at it through the lens of an Ohio State fan of, yeah, I still didn't do anything for I mean, we beat them twice in, in the Big Ten title game and but you got to think of, for us. like, sometimes, like, especially in college football, there's some programs, like, their max potential is just that. And I think that's what this is here. And I guess, you know, I, I need to st- – this isn't a Northwestern problem. This is a Big Ten problem in regards to higher expectations 
some of those need to be met by Penn State. Some of the yeah, Penn, I Michigan think, State. I think Northwestern is doing their part. I just don't think that Penn State, Michigan are doing their okay. part. So this is a good deal for the school. I mean, of course, it's, I've never once said it wasn't a good deal for the school. I guess I was just thinking the lines of, all right, I mean, we've seen the, you know, they had a chance, though. They ticked me off. They had a chance to be in the playoff conversation. That's party loss. Because if they beat Sparty last year, they're heading into the Big Ten title game undefeated. The very first college football playoff ranking that came out, Northwestern was number eight. Yeah. And if they beat Michigan State, they're probably they're probably ahead of Cincinnati. I don't care. They're probably, probably they're probably going to get the you know ahead of Cincinnati. And if they would have remained undefeated all the way to the Big Ten championship game, there were some weeks where five or six was just a toss up. We were putting one and two lost teams there. Northwestern could have been a outside looking in team heading into the Big Ten title game, and we saw how they played Ohio State tough. Mm-hmm. If they would have upset Ohio State in the Big Ten title game undefeated, they would have been in the playoff. Yeah, like Northwestern shot themselves in the foot. They they really they missed out on a chance to capitalize on a vulnerable situation. But it's good for them. But I need to stop beating up on them. Really, the programs that need to be held to a higher standard: Michigan State, Michigan. Uh, you know, Penn State. Penn State's been great. They've been fine. But like you, Franklin, you you need to do more. You've done enough. You need Penn to do State's more. Penn State's been good, but they need to be great. Yeah. Because they have they they recruit good enough to be great. Right. There's no reason to continue losing those big you know big game after big game to Ohio. They actually have more pressure on them than Michigan. Michigan hasn't been doing. I mean, let me get that argument going all over again. But you know my point. Yeah, because I mean, you look at it and from the outside looking in, you expect obviously Ohio State to be there, Michigan to be there. They haven't been there. Penn State to be there. They are good, but they're not great. So the second best team in the Big Ten is Wisconsin. But in reality, from just the outside looking in, you would expect them to be like third or fourth. But they're really the second best team in the conference. And that happens yearly. So Penn State, Michigan, y'all need to pick it up because Wisconsin's doing their part. Northwestern's doing playing their role. They're being Northwestern, being pesky, hanging around with Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, causing us all types of havoc, giving us a heart attack. Like, oh, man, we about to lose and it's about to be Northwestern. Like that's nothing new. Like they that's that's their role, and they serve their role. The other teams in the Big Ten, Penn State, Michigan, step up. All right, four five seven nine four six four. That's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. The Clemson Tigers lose Trevor Lawrence, and they'll replace him with DJ Uiagawale. How about that? I've been working on that Uiagawale. So the Clemson Shoot. Tigers replace Trevor Lawrence with DJ Uiagawale. And the now way too early, Uiagawale, I got that out three straight times. That's pretty impressive. Now, the Clemson Tigers are number one in the way too early top 25 um, poll that was released earlier today from ESPN. Who's number two? Who's number three? Four, five, six, seven. Where's Ohio State falling there? Ohio State's not in the top three, not in the top four. We'll tell you where Ohio State falls in this list. And are they being disrespected? Well, in the eyes of every Buckeye fan, of course they are. But we'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kevin Nash next. feelings on Cowboys fans, but really, Justin Kenner, you're a Cowboys fan? Live here on ESPN Dayton. Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The way too early top 25 college football poll uh, that was just released uh, by ESPN earlier today. 
has the Clemson Tigers coming in at number one, of course. And there's a lot of question marks about how a team uh, can move on from a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, who's a college, one of college football's all-time greatest quarterbacks. And you look, you know, it's not easy. Uh, but the one thing that we had discussed earlier in the year was that the one thing that kind of was going in favor of Clemson was the fact that they got a brief glimpse into what their future is with DJ Uli. Oh, damn it, I was doing so good. Uli Lago Um DJ Uli Lago Ugu Ugui I can't even do it anymore, man. I, I said it three times fast earlier today. I was killing it, and then I just butchered it. Uiagoale. There we go. So let me reset. So the Clemson Tigers really got a good <laughs> opportunity to see how what their future was going to be with Trevor Lawrence out due to COVID. They had DJ Uiagoale. Damn it, it's close enough. Point is, the, the kid balled out. Like He looked really, really good. And it looks as if Clemson's going to be able to kind of just continue moving on as is, even without Trevor Lawrence. Like That's how good he looked. And he played in some big games. It wasn't as if uh, he played against some scrubs. I mean, he was the, he threw for 400-plus yards against Notre Dame, and he was you know he had them in it to win it. Obviously, they didn't, but that was more because of the defense than it was actually the quarterback who threw for 400-plus yards against Notre Dame in that double-overtime loss. Um, so there are still question marks course about Tony Elliott and you know Brent Venables and company. Brent Venables ain't going anywhere, but Tony Elliott's name is being brought up for some potential openings. Regardless, regardless though, it's going to be a situation where you feel comfortable who you have at quarterback. And of course, Clemson, just like Ohio State and Alabama, they don't rebuild, they reload. Mm-hmm. And I always say this about coaches. When I really buy into what a coach is doing on a program, it's not what you're doing with one recruiting class, it's what you do with multiple recruiting classes. Can you, you know, you know, can you Get through one class, win, and then replace the class with another winning class and keep it going. That's when I really start buying in, and that's why I've bought into what Dabo Swinney's doing at Clemson. Uh, you know, you have Deshaun Watson, uh, has all the success that he had there, and then, of course, wins a national title with Deshaun Watson. Not even, you know, a year, two years later, he's winning a national championship with Trevor Lawrence, and now Clemson might be well on their way to winning another national championship in the near future with Uyak. Just DJ is his name. Forget yeah, it. Go. I was, oh, you're right. I was getting cocky. I was showing off. <laughs> Quarter, you know, DJ is his name. We're on a first-name basis with him. But I, I think that DJ has what it takes. But Clemson, number one, heading into next year. No surprise, though, Kev, because look, Alabama, they, they're they just literally loaded with NFL talent on the offense and defensive side of the ball this past season, winning their national championship, and a lot of that talent's leaving to the NFL. doesn't surprise me that they come in at number two, but Clemson being number one shouldn't surprise anybody. No, it shouldn't. Clemson should be number one. I am a little surprised that Bama's coming in at two, as much as they're losing. Not, I mean, the big-time guys that they're losing, obviously, their quarterback, Mac Jones, uh, Najee Harris, obviously the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Adams, Adams uh, Smith, I'm sorry. But they're losing. I, I was doing that. I, <laughs> someone, I got some you know, tweets and stuff last night saying they went, people went back to listen to the show and said, you kept calling him Devontae Adams. Right? Well, Devontae's pretty damn good no matter who you're talking about, so continue. <laughs> but they're, they're losing offensive linemen, too. They're losing one of the best offensive linemen. Have you seen this kid? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like three. They said it looks like a created character in Madden. Like, you know when you just create these, like, super, like... <laughs> like, so they're losing guys up front. Obviously, they got the five-star guy, Bryce Young, who everybody thought was going to be the starting quarterback this year. But he got outshined in camp by Mac Jones, and Mac Jones went on to fall dad, out this year. Dad bod Mac, Mac Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes me feel like I can go be a quarterback for Alabama. <laughs> so I, I am a little surprised there. Um, I think Ohio State is fairly placed at number five because obviously the oh, losing. You jerk. Team, me. Yeah, I haven't even got that. I never revealed oh! it before. 
What Bob the Matt. heck? Kev Washington. What? Uh, you're, uh, yeah, you get the Kev Washington treatment now. Kev mm. Nash. I mean, I mean, what the hell? Loser. What? <laughs> Loser. Well, the cat's out of the bag, folks. Have My a bad. great night. No, you're good. Yeah, Ohio State comes in at number five. But no, keep going. But you're right, though. I mean, it's no surprise who's on the top five at this point. But Ohio State comes in at number five. We'll break them to a, who's number three, man. No, no, you're honestly, you're totally fine. It's a freaking way too early top twenty-five. I mean, we're, you know, but Alabama coming in at number two, Oklahoma is getting the number three treatment mainly because of Spencer Rattler. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, Oklahoma had a couple big losses early in the season last year. Uh, you know, your luck, you know. Lincoln Riley's luck ran out. You could only be great for so. I mean, he he was really fortunate to go from Baker Mayfield to Kyler Murray to Jalen Hurts, and Rattler was great, but he had some learning. He's a you freshman. Know, yeah, he he had a little bit of a learning curve at the beginning of the season. You didn't have experienced guys like Kyler Murray. Maybe hadn't started, but he was experienced and been in the system. Why? Right. Rattler had to learn on the go. But when, you could tell by the end of the year, he's one of the top quarterbacks in college Started football. Clicking. And I think Oklahoma's going to pick up where they left off. They come in at number three. Yeah, I, I do worry about them. Because they lost the transfer, uh, Charleston Rambo. He transferred to Miami. I know they still have Marvin Mims there as a wide receiver. But it's kind of like how you said with, you know, with them before with Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts. They were still throwing to uh, um, C.D. Lamb. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't throwing to C.D. Lamb. He was throwing to younger receivers as well. But like you said, throughout the season, he got better. They started clicking on offense. They really actually started running the ball. And, you know... We look at the bowl game victory they had over Florida. Florida wasn't playing a lot of guys. A lot of guys opted out to get ready for the NFL and everything like that. But you know what Oklahoma did? They still went out there and played because their team was nothing but freshmen and sophomores. So I know these bowl games really don't matter anymore because they're totally exhibition games because guys start opting out because they're not playing in the playoff and everything like that. But wins like that to the guys that still care, that are still on the team because they have nowhere else to go because they can't, that can propel you into having a good season. And also, sneaky, they had a good defense last year. Yep. And I know that sounds like foreign in the Big 12, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Again, if you're just tuning in, Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here. ESPN released its way too early top 25 for next season. Kind of fun to take a look at it. I was trying to be dramatic. I was trying to build. I was trying to get everyone to be like, man, so they're not number one. They're not number three. Man, Justin said they're not even number four. Man, how far back did they drop? And then I'm building suspense. I'm setting it up. And then here comes Kevin to let everyone know the truth about Santa Claus. I mean, it's just unreal what Kevin just pulled here. Uh, but Georgia Bulldogs coming in at number four. And I'm surprised they're at number four. Mm. Okay, I'm not really into buy- everything I've – Georgia, they're bringing everybody back. Yeah. Uh, it was big uh, – JT Daniels. I, don't, I think JT Daniels is going to be very similar – I mean, this could be, look out for JT Daniels. He could be like Joe Burrow. I know that sounds really crazy. Think of the year JT Daniels just had with Georgia. It was just enough. It was mm-hmm. just good enough to win games. Joe Burrow, the first year with LSU, was just good enough. Uh, again, but it's all going to be about the offensive system. I'm not saying JT Daniels is going to have a good season as Joe Burrow next year, but look out for number for year number two in the system. Right. Joe Burrow's first year in LSU, kind of getting... You know, comfortable, uh, kind of getting settled in. I mean, first years, you know, the same thing with JT Daniels, the transfer from USC. He's going to be his second full year in Kirby Smart system or Georgia system, I should say. I, I expect a big yard of Georgia because it's not just what they're bringing back on offense, Kev. I mean, their offensive line, their key wide receivers. Uh, but like you have James Cook and Zamir White. Like you yeah. look at a lot of those guys. The defensive side of the ball is what I'm really impressed with because that's where Alabama, there's quite, they didn't have a great defensive team this year. And they're replacing a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know what you know Alabama's defense is going to look like. LSU is a train; they look like a train wreck towards the end of the year. Yeah. They're dealing with some stuff behind the scenes too. So I like a Georgia. They're coming in at number four. I wouldn't be surprised if they're battling with Alabama for number two. I, if I had to, sw- I would switch Georgia and Oklahoma. But that just speaks volumes about the the confidence people have in Spencer Rattler and Marvin Mims and guys like that heading into next year. Yeah, the thing about JT Daniels and Georgia in general. I mean, before he even got to play, they went with the the former walk on. I believe his name was like Stetson Bennett sound like a cologne uh then they went to the five-star recruit <laughs> since you want to try some Stetson <laughs> <laughs> then they went to the five-star recruit Mathis who basically entered the transfer portal and then they finally were able to unleash JT Daniels for whatever reason I'm not still not sure why he wasn't playing from the jump I'm not sure if it was still an injury concern or a clearance with the NCAA but by the time he got in there their offense started clicking. And when you have two running backs like Zamir White and James Cook, you're always dangerous. And that big, bad offensive line, and you know they're going to play defense with Curry Smart there, so they're dangerous. Yeah, they. I mean, uh, look, I, I think Georgia's going to be I mean, better than advertised, I think, at this point. But coming in at number four, good for them. I'm not. This isn't the SEC network, so I'm going to get off that. means but more. I do like JT Daniels, though, especially heading into year two. Uh, and that's where you see a lot of quarterbacks take off. But I do think, to be fair, if I'm going to give Georgia the nod as a year-two guy at JT Daniels, then I have to give Oklahoma the same love because Spencer Rattler, I thought, looked better than... Like, JT Daniels did a good job of man... You know, he was just a good, solid quarterback, a very good SEC quarterback. But Rattler looks like the real deal, and I think that's why they have Oklahoma coming in at number three. You talked about their defense to Oklahoma... A lot. They were a younger defensive unit this year, and they're going to be even better next year, more experienced. Coming in at number five is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, you know, they talk about the you know in the write up talking about you know the concerns for Ohio State. You're losing uh, Justin Fields and Sean Wade. In my opinion, losing Sean Wade, you're getting better. Um, like I do feel, but in all seriousness, you know, we had, I was very critical of Sean Wade all year, but I feel like that kid lost more than anybody coming back, and he was one of the big reasons Ohio State did come back. It was Justin Fields who was the most popular player on the team. He was the face of the hashtag We Want to Play movement. Right. But Sean Wade, man, he was just as active. He was just as loud. He was just as voiced about making sure that the Big Ten had a season and that Ohio State could play. Sean Wade was a first-round prospect. If if he didn't play this year, he would be a first-round draft pick easily. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a second-round draft pick at this point. I think he fell off the map that you know he got picked apart this year. Opposing quarterbacks, they didn't throw away from him. They threw to him. They didn't fear him. Uh, and not just it's not just that they threw to him. They decimated. They destroyed him. Like he, I mean, every game. I mean, Trevor Lawrence. Say what you want about Ohio State and beating Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. Trevor Lawrence had a field day going at, you know, going at him. But regardless, you're replacing two guys like that who had a lot of experience. But it's coming down basically to C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller. Right. Um, you know, Jack Miller again. I, I believe like he's you know talk about him. He set the Arizona high school record like 115 career passing touchdowns in high school. Kev, I mean, like the kid can sling it. C.J. Stroud, he's the number two pocket passer uh, in the ESPN 300 in the in the 2020 ESPN 300. And then you also have incoming freshman Kyle McCord. I forgot all about Kyle McCord. Right. Like. And by the way, Kyle McCord, we're talking about those three. There's an even be- better quarterback coming in in the year 2021 or 2022. Uh, they have one of the best quarterbacks there that they got from Texas. They actually flipped from Texas. So Ohio State has so much talent at quarterback coming up in the coming years. But the third quarterback on the list for this coming up year, the number four pocket passer in 2021, Kyle McCord. So it's young. It's a lot of youth. But guys that kicked ass in high school and guys mm-hmm. that have won at every level, and I, I think that – Ohio State having a question mark at quarterback, I think the question is not whether these kids can play, it's which one of these is going to be the guy. 
and I think that overall you have to trust Ohio State at this point to say, hey, they don't rebuild, they reload. Um, they're replacing a lot of the guys, but man, they're replacing a lot though, Kev, but they do have a very good receiving core. And I do think Chris Olave coming back, having that type of presence on the field, what kind of uh, chemistry he's able to develop, whether it's Jack Miller, whether it's C.J. Stroud or Kyle McCord, which it won't be. I don't, if I had to put money on it, McCord's not the guy. It's probably C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, McCord. One of those three is going to transfer. As I've said before, if you're Ohio State, whatever guy transfers, make sure it's not the Joe Burrow Heisman winning quarterback, okay? Because that's all I care about at this point. Two of those guys are going to transfer. We just don't know which two it is. Why two? Because I like the Ewers kid coming in for 2022. I mean, there's, they're saying that he is better than all of, all of these guys, and all of these guys are tremendous guy quarterbacks. Because that's what they do. That's what the kids do now. If they don't win that spot, they're out. And I, I think that, you know, Ohio State has built a culture where, you know, you do get a situation like Joe Burrow. Like, you do get strong academics, and you handle your schoolwork, and you're able to graduate early and get up out of there, have your degree and transfer to somewhere else and be able to play two more years. Two two of these dudes going to transfer. They the dudes that's this highly touted, they're not going to just sit there and be, "All right, man, I didn't win it. I'll just be on the sidelines." This just doesn't happen that way. But I this is going to sound crazy coming from me because I don't do this. Whoever wins the quarterback gig will be perfectly fine. You're going to be perfectly fine. The thing that I'm worried about is the defense for Ohio State. You're replacing three average linebackers with guys that were just as highly rated as those guys coming out of high school, some more highly rated than the guys that were starting, and they couldn't get on the field last Mm -hmm. year. Matter of fact, they couldn't get on the field for the last three years. So that's where I'm at with it. I'm worried about the linebackers. I'm worried about the secondary Basically, I'm worried about my silver bullet defense being back to what it should be. I am desperately worried about the defense. I'm I know the offense is going to score points. They'll be perfectly fine on offense. I'm worried about the defense. All right, four five seven nine four six four. That's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. Again, the ESPN college football way too early top twenty five. Looking ahead to next season, I'm pumped. I like quarterback battles when you trust the program that you know, right. like they're, they're ta- like they're there, like. Oklahoma, those fans have just got to the point where they just trust right. their system so much that, man, oh, man, we lost Baker Mayfield. We're screwed. Oh, no, this, this Kyler Murray kid's pro- Oh, okay, well, cool. We got, you know, we Jalen Hurts, who's a transfer. But you just trust your program. Right. Oklahoma fans trust their program that they're going to make the right decision at who's their quarterback. And I don't think Ohio State's – I can't remember the last time they made a wrong decision at quarterback. They found themselves in situations – I know I was critical of JT, but you can't argue the greatness of JT Barrett. Let's just be clear. I think they could have been better with others. But, again, it's the situation where JT was so damn good, just like Dwayne Haskins was, just like Cardale Jones was, like Braxton was before he got her. Uh, and then you go – I mean, look at all the guys that left. Mm-hmm. How, who was the one quarter? I mean, we talked about Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins. There was another quarterback that went to, what, North Carolina? Or that was the running back. Yeah, who was the other back. quarterback – at Ohio State that transferred out. It's going to drive me nuts now. I wish I would have looked this up before. Hmm. Some Buckeye fan, you are blah, 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 blah. I'm going to get that, <laughs> but I cannot remember who it was. There was three quarterbacks that we knew it was a long shot. It's kind of like what we talked about with McCord here. It was the Kyle McCord of the trio of Dwayne Haskins, Joe Burrow, and blank. Drawing a blank. Drawing a total blank. Blank. All right. Well, on to the next one. Team number six coming in. The team that no matter how, it's like they got better the more they lost. Uh, the, the committee loves teams in the SEC who lose because they get better. Texas A&M coming in at number six. What, this would be year three for uh, for your former coach? 
think this is year four. Jimbo, oh, so, wow, so you're right, it is. So you're, this will be year four for Jimbo. If you're Texas A&M, and by the way, good for Jimbo, because Texas A&M is a regular now here at the top of this, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's, He has turned that program around, and he has them as national contenders now. The problem is, is you're, it's not just trying to be better than Alabama. you got to get to Georgia's level first. Because mm-hmm. we're talking about Georgia getting to Alabama's level, and Georgia's still like a little bit of an arm length away. Texas A and M, we're thinking, oh man, they're number five, they're number six every time now. Yeah, but they gotta, they gotta beat Georgia, they gotta beat Alabama, they gotta get, they gotta prove that they're one of those teams because right now they're getting the benefit of the doubt. But they really do need to get a big time win, and that's going to be key for them moving forward. But they do have Kellen Mond. Uh, Kellen Mond is gone now, so it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of replace some of these guys next year. I would, thought he was going to come back and use that extra year as ability. Like it wasn't Tate Mar- Jake. It wasn't Tate Martell. It was another quarterback. I thought. I swear they had a third quarterback that transferred out. I didn't mean to interrupt. You trust me, I know Tate Martell real well. I'm a big Tate Martell <laughs> fan, but Jake, I swear there was another quarterback, and I'm probably wrong then. Maybe I'm wrong. Keep going. I know the, the running back trio, too. They had a lot of guys transfer out, but anyways, keep going. Kevin. No, but uh, like what Jimbo's doing down there at Texas AM, I didn't think it could be done to be perfectly honest. I mean, first year out the gate, he won nine games, second year, eight games, and this year they won nine games with a uh, all SEC schedule. That's pretty tough to do. Yeah, they got blew out by Alabama, but you know what. That's how you build a program, and Jimbo's building a hell of a program at Texas A&M. Uh, I think they can be right there. I mean, you look at everything that went wrong at LSU last year, Texas A&M can take that second spot, and all they really have to do, I know it sounds easy, but to beat Alabama. And Alabama isn't unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Like, we saw Auburn beat them year after year. Like, you know, they will win some years, they will lose some years. They will win some years, they lose some years. So. You don't have to beat Alabama all the time. You just got to beat them once. So I think they're capable of doing that. And who, who's in their regular? By the way, they always have these super insane regular season conference games. Like they always get the best of the best out of the SEC. Yeah, they in never the SEC get West. The, yeah, uh, but four five seven nine four six four continuing to go on here. I think I've lost my mind. I, I really don't think that it was there was another quarterback. Why am I? It doesn't matter, Justin. You could figure this out on your own time. Just I'm literally trying to <laughs> talk myself through this. Number seven. No love for Cincinnati. Out of the top ten, they're not even in the top ten. North Carolina coming in at number seven, and actually, you know, North Carolina has been a good feel-good team the last couple of years. You know, you, you get the, you know, you get Mac Brown who won a national title with Texas. He comes back to his old school, and not only does he come back, but he takes an irrelevant program that's a basketball school, and they get they start winning more games, and they become a little dangerous. They're coming in at number seven. Mm. This is an interesting year for Mac Brown in North Carolina. This could either be the beginning of a of an extension with Mac Brown, or this could be the beginning of the end. Because I think that for the first time and since Mac Brown's return, there's actually expectations and pressure. It's year three. You've gotten better every year. You can't flatline or regress. If you are North Carolina, you have to win this year. And let's be honest, the ACC is not good. The ACC is not good. They got to figure it out. I think that there's a lot of pressure. I think there's more pressure on North Carolina and the ACC than there is Texas A&M and the SEC, because there's a lot of justifiable losses in the SEC. There's not justifiable losses uh, when you're North Carolina and the ACC. You disagree? I don't know. I mean, they just had two teams in the college football playoff. Yeah, but Notre Dame ain't gonna be in the ACC next year. Do you really consider them? I mean, are you giving the ACC the full credit for for Notre Dame? I mean, last year they were for sure. I mean, they played another but the ACC yeah. schedule. Um, I don't know. I mean, and and also like they're still working. I mean, Notre Dame Matt still Baldwin. plays. Thank you, 
there we go. Good there job. There it is. What did he Adam for? Hill, he Jake Overholt, TCU. TCU. Okay, I haven't lost my mind completely. I was like, I know there was another quarterback in there somewhere. I'm not losing my mind. But yes, Jake Overholtz and Adam Hill, you guys are the real MVP. Thank you for, you know, listen, you know, times are tough. We can't afford producers. So, you know, you guys got to be our help. I can't pay you, but, you know, that sounds like any interview we do with me. I just need anyone to help out. So, Jake Overholtz, Adam Hill on Facebook. Thank you guys. Giving you guys a shout out. Continue, Kev. The ACC with North Carolina Talk. Um, I think I think they're going to be good because you got to think about it like this. Uh, Sam Howe, this is a money year for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. he was a big time freshman season, good season this year. Uh, but, like, he's looking to try to go pro. So he got the ball out, right? That's that's what the expectations are. Uh, they're bringing in all these recruits that everybody is falling over them for and everything like that. So I think you're right. They have to win, they have to win big. You know, I mean, a loss to Clemson is acceptable, but uh, a loss to Florida State isn't, you know, like they did last year, you know. So being down to Florida State basically 35 to nothing is unacceptable for 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 them this upcoming season. They don't play Clemson. That's another reason why. Oh, then they the, the pressure. The pressure's through. I mean, I think the pressure is through the roof. All they got is uh, Virginia Tech then. So their schedule next year, again, assuming that the ACC plays non-conference games, which I anticipate that they will, but you never know. Georgia State, that's a W. Wake Forest, W. Notre Dame. Let's get it on. North, I, North Carolina, though, you got to understand, if you are for real, you can afford a loss to Notre Dame, a close one, win out, and have a shot to beat Clemson in the mm-hmm. ACC title game to get to the playoff. So you're allowed one loss. You're not allowed two. Right. I don't think you're allowed a loss in the ACC title game against Clemson, though. So if you're going to lose, it probably should be to Notre Dame. But, you know, but you have Wofford, 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 wherever the hell they are. <laughs> but then, you know, Georgia Tech, NC State, Duke, uh, Florida State. Miami is probably, you know, a tough game. But, again, if you're for real, you should beat Miami. They beat you know? And if Miami is for real, they should beat you. They you know? ran for 500 yards on Miami last year. You know, they got Virginia, Pitt, Virginia Tech. So, no, North Carolina, I think that there is a lot of pressure, um, a lot of pressure as, as far as that's concerned uh, for what they have coming up. Okay, quickly, uh, again, continuing to go down this top 25 list. So we have what? We had Clemson at number one, Bama mm-hmm. two, uh, Oklahoma at three. Yep. So, uh, yeah, but I tell you what, we'll continue to break these down and take a look at these uh, here in the final hour of the show. I'm Justin Kenner. He's Kev Nash. Uh, Yeah, we'll take a look. Where does Cincinnati fall? They're not in the top ten. Kev Nash will ruin it for you when we come back. Don't go anywhere. More of the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash next. your style with Patriot Lighting from Menards. We carry a great selection of interior lighting products. Check out the Leaf Island Light. Its stylish design will add a modern touch to any kitchen with its satin nickel frame and graphite accents. Just $149.99. The Brooklyn Island Light. Don't miss the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Weekdays at 3 p.m. on Dayton's ESPN Radio. 1410 Wing AM. So you want to talk about our Continuing on our list of our way-too-early top 25 teams for the 2021 college football season because we, well, apparently didn't get enough college football, which we didn't. Although it was a weird year to where I almost felt like, and you talked about this too, I almost felt a little sense of relief when the season ended. Mm-hmm. 
just because I felt like we closed the door on the COVID season, which I think it's a little too premature to act <laughs> as if it still won't impact next year. But I think right now everyone is trying to remain as positive as possible, no pun intended, about you know returning to somewhat normal next season. I don't think you're going to see sold-out stadiums in 2021. I just I don't anticipate that, but I do believe that you will see more. I don't, I don't think you'll see any conferences say no fans at all. Right. I think you'll just see more fan restrictions, even if the vaccine is still well in full. Right? Like, do you anticipate that? I, I don't anticipate, at least for this calendar year, I don't anticipate any sold-out stadiums. It may no. be another two years before you When do you think we'll see sold-out stadiums again? Man. Maybe next season, not this season, season. the next season, 2022. Yeah. I mean, Great American this year is not going to be sold out. And they may not allow all fans either. <laughs> uh, but no, they, they, I, I don't think that, you know, it's not going to be full capacity this year for any sport. And it shouldn't. I don't think it should. I think it should wait. Wait it out. Wait it out. Get the vaccine out there and everything like that. Let's, let's play it smart. Let's not rush into it just because we want it back so bad. You know, yeah, you can open it up a little bit more and gradually, but not just say like, "All right, let's have a free for all," like a gradual reopening to nope, everything. I want fans back. <laughs> get your damn vaccines, folks, so we can get fans back in the stands. Uh, that's all I care about. Get, no, I'm just joking, but no, I, I don't think it's going to be this year. You know, with full uh, stadiums, I think it's going to be 2022. But fans in the stands, I think, is you know very realistic. Okay, Clemson number one, Bama two, Oklahoma three, Georgia four. The Buckeyes came in at number five again, as we talked about a lot of question marks as far as you know what this team is going to look like offensively for the first time in a long time. We have no clue who the hell. The quarterback's going to be, and no, I don't mean. Oh man, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be between J.T. Barrett and Cardell Jones. No, I mean we don't even know who the hell these guys are. Right. We know their names. We know their high school accomplishments. We don't know who they are. You know, when we were wondering J.T. Barrett versus Cardell Jones, we knew what they looked like on a college football field. You know, if you want to throw Braxton's name back in there because it kind of was a, uh, you know, between the three, even though we knew that Braxton was going to basically be transitioning to a wide receiver, role, it you know it was still a, we knew who they all were. Mm-hmm. Um, the Joe Burrow, Dwayne Haskins thing, you know, the, you know, we kind of had an idea of both. We at least saw them in, in spurts. Uh, we were a little bit more familiar with who they were, but I guess that's kind of similar. I mean, Joe Burrow very similar to kind of these kids that we're talking about here, where. We don't really know who they are. We know what they're capable of. And that's kind of where we're at now. Jack Miller, C.J. Stroud, Kyle McCord. I mean, yeah, I mean, by the way, that Ewers kid that we're talking about for the next year, the number one prospect in college football. Like, that's quite Let's the kid for Ryan Day and the Buckeyes. But, I mean, you got to ask yourself, Kev, I mean, how prepared is that Ewers kid going to be? And I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. But, you know, how prepared is he going to be when he gets to Ohio State? It could be a situation where C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, McCord, whoever it's going to be, they may be the starter this year. But if that Ewers kid is what, if he's everything is advertised, it may be a one and done for one of these guys, not as far as Ooh. NFL, but as far as the starter for Ohio State. I see a lot of tough decisions for Ryan Day in the near future, which that's a good thing. Absolutely. If Ryan Day has tough decisions to make, that means he has too much talent at multiple positions. Never say too much. He has a bet, you know, he's backlogged on talent, and that's a great thing to be if you're Ohio State and Ryan Day. So you can I, never have too much talent on yep. your team. This is college football where you can have as much talent as your scholarships allow. So the better the talent, that's the that's a good problem, like you just said. All right, so number six, Texas A&M. We talked about that Jimbo Fisher year four. Uh, it has Texas A&M, you know, as a regular. They're at the top, not just competing, but competing uh, for the top four spots. When it comes to the college football playoffs, Mac Brown takes over North Carolina heading into year three. I think you're official. I think there's the pressure is on. I think that he has to win. 
And that North Carolina, at the very least, needs to be in the ACC title game next season. Uh, they don't have Clemson on the regular season schedule. They do have Notre Dame in the non-conference. I believe that's still a non-conference game. There's been no, uh, you know, announcement as uh, there being any kind of a continued relationship between Notre Dame and the ACC. I would not be surprised though, and with so much uncertainty out there, I could see Notre Dame saying, "Hey." Let's not even risk it. Let's just partner up again for another year, mm-hmm. and let's you know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. If I'm Notre Dame, I keep the ACC close to me during this COVID pandemic and, and That's until a smart things way clear. To go. So it's a good shot that you know Notre Dame is you know there again. But that's a good thing. If North Carolina's for real, they should not fear Notre Dame being in the in the ACC. But let's go to number eight now, Iowa State. Um, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about Iowa State. <laughs> I think it's one of the most overrated programs out there. I think Matt Campbell's one. I'm most over. You know, I think he's talked about way too much for a guy that doesn't do jack whatever. Fill in the blank. Kev, what has he done to have his name? His name is constantly thrown out every single season for every big job that's available, and it drives me nuts because I'm like, what are you doing with what you have now? Have you ever heard of Iowa State before you got there? I don't care. No, I'm just joking. No, no, serious. It's like. I'm just, I'm not a fan of every year. I mean, when they start throwing his name out for the Ohio State job, I'm like, enough. What has he done at Iowa State to make you think that, you know, and I get it. You could say the same thing about Cincinnati and Luke Fickle. And Luke Fickle, no one would want him at Ohio State, but yet we were doing that with Campbell. I don't know, man. I, I, I like him. I like what he's accomplished at Iowa State. Uh, you know, they come in with that, uh, that mentality of, uh, um, three star players with a five star culture. You know what I'm saying? They're beating, uh, they beat. Um, Texas, they beat Oklahoma last season. They played in their conference championship game, first time in a very long time. I think they're worthy of being up there. I did think like they got a, a, a little too much love last year because they did uh, lose opening their first game to Louisiana. To Louisiana. And, you know, at one point in the season, uh, Louisiana was undefeated and Iowa State had two losses and Iowa State still was ranked ahead of them, which is super weird to me. But I think with Brock Purdy coming back again, I don't know how long he's been in school. He's been there for a while. Um, I think they're worthy of being up there just based off of what they accomplished last year. I would like to see what they're going to be doing on defense this upcoming season because I know they're losing their safety and their cornerback. That seems like they're going to be uh, mid-round draft picks in the NFL. So, you know, they got a lot of things to worry about on defense. Moving on to number nine, USC. And they're an inter- I mean, they, they, look, they lost quite a lot of talent. I, you know, I just read too that their last two, they've only have two losses since 2019, both of them coming to Oregon. Mm-hmm. And that when you talk about, okay, who did COVID, what did, Co- which team did COVID impact the most? USC is one of those. USC had a good shot at, shot at being a college football playoff team last year. Yeah. There just wasn't enough games in the Pac-12 season to really make any of the Pac-12 teams a viable threat to the college football playoff landscape. Uh, but USC, you know, they bring back a Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback. I mean, I guess. I mean, again, I'm just you know, I'm telling you. Yeah, and Slovis. So, you know, I get what this is his third year with the yes. team. So it's going to be his third year. Look. Uh, San, they have San Jose State, Notre Dame, BYU, and they're non conference. They take care of those guys. I think they're, they're crew. I think USC, we could finally see a Pac 12 team back in the college football playoff conversation next year. And I think it's going to be USC. Uh, that, that non conference, I like it because it's just good enough to get you the respectable wins you need to be in the conversation at the end when you take care of your conference. So I think USC is a playoff team next year. Uh, for Clay Helton, the guy that people just want out of there so bad, like yeah. they want to replace him. So, well, I don't know if USC, USC wants to replace him, but like it seems like the outside noise wants him replaced so bad. Like you said, they were uh, 
that Pac-12 championship game away from being undefeated. And matter of fact, they weren't even supposed to play Oregon mm-hmm. in the Pac-12 championship game. Like that's the crazy part. So that's how crazy last season was. You know, they had to get a replacement team to play in the Pac-12 championship game. And kudos to Oregon for taking advantage of the opportunity that they got. But uh, I be on the lookout for them, man. They got a lot of offensive weapons. I really like Slovis. Uh, just had a lot of comfort behind victories. You do question why are you down all the time in the fourth quarter, but you know you capitalize on your opportunities in the fourth quarter and to win those games, man. So it's going to be very interesting out there in the Pac-12 next year. Obviously with USC and Oregon, as always. Uh, for coming in at number ten, by the way, is Indiana out of the Big Ten. Uh oh. I mean, they, they, like, Uh-oh. for everyone out there that was trying to argue that that Cincinnati was the team that got screwed the most this past year, Indiana got screwed the most this past year. Like, Cincinnati, you were left out of the playoff. You should have been left out of the playoff. You got a New Year's Bowl game, and to be honest, you didn't beat or do anything against anyone to deserve being on a New Year's Day game versus, over what Indiana did. Like, Indiana got hosed. But regardless, I'm looking at what Indiana has next year. Coincidentally enough, Indiana has Cincinnati on the schedule. So I'm actually looking forward to that. I'm actually curious because, you know, I like it's interesting to see Cincinnati go up against the top teams in the Big Ten. But like a a middle of the pack team like Indiana right now, it's a good test for both. For one, I think it's a good resume type game for Indiana if they're going to make any kind of noise in the Big Ten again like they did last year. They opened up at Iowa. They have the. Idaho. They have Idaho week two, whatever, but the Bearcats in week three, I'm actually really intrigued by that matchup because it's a big, if Indiana beats Cincinnati, that's a big win for Indiana, but if Cincinnati beats Indiana, that's a huge win for the Bearcats. And the Bearcats have quite a few uh, interesting non-conference games. They have Notre Dame on the schedule. Uh, they have Indiana. So I, I'm interested in that matchup the most. It's one of the matchups I'm most interested in uh, as far as next season's concerned. But Indiana coming in at number 10, your thoughts on that? I love it. I love it. Uh, everything that they're doing at Indiana, I'm loving. Um, obviously, they lost their running back coach, Mike Hart. He went back home to Michigan and everything like that. But I'm loving what they're doing. Obviously, you want to see what goes on with the quarterback because he had um, knee surgery. Mm -hmm. So you want to see if he's able to come back and to play at the form that he did last season. So the the future's bright if he's healthy. The the write-up on them, too, that their eyes are on the college football playoff, I think that's going to be difficult. Penn State's going to be better. Ohio State's Ohio State, even though they did play Ohio State tough. Michigan State's going to be better. Michigan's Michigan still. You play at Maryland. Maryland's a team that, look, I'm not saying they're going to be good, but I think I think you can't look at Maryland as you know an easy win at all. Plus, it's Indiana. I don't think they've earned the respect to say that they are a that they're a guaranteed win over anybody. But that schedule's a gauntlet. Cincinnati, what would have probably looked at as an easy non-conference game two years ago, that's a tough non-conference game. You open up at Iowa. You have Cincinnati week three. You're at Maryland week five. You have Michigan at home. Uh, you're at Penn State. You have Ohio State in Bloomington. But you're at Michigan State. Minnesota's no. I mean, Indiana could be a garbage team next year when it's all said and done. <laughs> they could be a four-win team next year. It's a very tough. I think that's a tough schedule. That's going to be a tough full season swing for them. Uh, as we're running out of time, number eleven, the Bearcats. Uh, the Bearcats look they they pretty much bring everybody back. I thought Desmond Ryder coming back was huge for yeah. them. They pretty much you know the one thing Luke Fickle had to do is learn to uh, say goodbye to a lot of his top coordinators. Yeah, um, you know losing their defensive coordinator I thought was the probably the biggest blow for them this past off season. That's not an easy guy to replace. Yeah, Marcus Freeman from the area. Obviously, he went to Notre Dame. Not only was it a DC calling all the defensive signals and everything like that, one hell of a recruiter. Yep. You know, he was the recruiter. Everything that 
Luke Fickle did for Ohio State recruiting-wise, finding these three-star prospects like a Malcolm Jenkins and a Darren Lee, he was doing for UC. So that's something to keep an eye on in the future for UC. Um, I don't know who they replaced uh, Marcus Freeman with as the defensive coordinator down at UC. That's going to be interesting. But let's not get it confused. Luke Fickle knows how to call a defense. I mean, he won a national championship at Ohio State calling a defense. So he knows what he's doing. I got faith in Luke Fickle that he'll find the right D.C. to coordinate the defense. But the thing is, you're not hiding behind the woods no more. You're not the third place in the team in the American. You're the top dog in the American now. You know what I'm saying? Before you were behind Memphis and UCF. Now you're the big dog there. Everybody's going to be coming after you now. I mean, so you got to keep your head on a swivel. You got to be coming out ready to play. And much like you say, you can't have like a tw- uh, 35 to 21 ain't going to cut it, unfortunately. You know, those, those victories to the to the committee aren't good enough. You got to stomp teams. So, especially stomp teams within your conference. That's going to matter right. too. Number twelve, Iowa. All right. I mean, they're just again. Iowa's just a good, solid Big Ten team. Always there, right there in the middle of things. Oregon coming in at number thirteen. Washington fourteen. The Fighting Irish. All right. They they have to replace you know quite for one Ian Book, who I feel like has been there forever. By the yes. way, they have to replace him. He could have declared, come back. Yeah, he did. He declared for the NFL draft, but Notre Dame coming in at number 15. The Florida Gators, uh, look, they're without Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, you know, uh, I'm interested to see where he ends up in the NFL. But, you know, Kadarius Tony, Look, and then a guy that was supposed to go to Ohio State that actually is getting a lot of love right now, Trayvon Grimes, by the way. I don't mm-hmm. know if you saw some of the highlights or some of the workouts he's doing right now for the Reese's uh, Senior Bowl or yeah. whatever it is. He looks awesome. I think Trayvon Grimes could be a, a sleeper NFL pick that could you know be a huge addition to some NFL team when it's all said and done. Wisconsin at 17, Ole Miss Do, do we 18. get credit for that? Do the Buckeyes get credit for that? Once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye, okay. unless you're sure. Tate Martell. Just making sure. The Raging Cajuns coming in at number 19. Go Tigers, LSU at number 20. Tom Herman out at Texas. Sarkeesian takes over. His Longhorns coming in at number 21 on the way too early top 25 list. Penn State at number 22. Coastal Carolina and the Liberty Flames are 23 and 24. The mid-major hype is continuing heading into the 2021 (laughs) season. And uh, the Miami Hurricanes, who have a tough job ahead of them as they look to replace Tate Martell. (laughs) Uh, De'Eric King coming off a knee injury. They got more transfers coming in, like we talked about earlier, with Charleston Rambo, the wide receiver from Oklahoma. He's coming in there. Um, They did bring back their tight end who was a big-time playmaker for them. I think the biggest part for them is getting De'Ara King healthy. Like, that's that's the key to their team. Like, without him, they would have been, you know, blah, last year. But. That was a gross injury, too, in that bowl game. Yeah. And of course, that was, uh, yeah. Now, I mean, that was what everyone's always concerned about him playing in those bowl games and everything is those like, types of injuries. Like. I remember it was the Orange Bowl where Florida State and Michigan were playing, and Jake Butt got hurt. And I don't even know if Jake Butt is in the NFL. He was supposed to be like the highest rated tight end going into that NFL draft. I don't even know if he's in the league now. And that's too bad, man. Yeah, with a name like that? <laughs> I was going to say something else. He's with the Broncos. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, I wonder if he made a butt of himself. This guy. What? <laughs> he's probably the butt of a lot of jokes. All right, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm just being the butt. My bad. A lot of butt jokes. But, but, but. All right, folks, uh, hopefully I can mature before tomorrow's show, but uh, who knows. Uh, the Hal McCoy conversation was great. Man, I, I, you know, 
anytime we get to catch up with the Hall of Famer, it's always good. Of course, everyone on here, too, right away, they can listen to Hal McCoy talk forever. I could, too. I'd rather listen to him than listen to me, and I'm sure you guys all agree. So there's that. But uh, looking forward uh, to continuing to talk to Hal here again as we get closer and closer to the season. Keep in mind, the Cincinnati Reds, a, a month from today, should be their very first spring training game. A month from today. I just I don't see it happening, folks. I don't. I asked Hal McCoy... In our conversation earlier on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that the season starts on time? And he said, a 3. I, I think that's actually being optimistic, to be honest with you. I don't know where he's getting the 3 from. But, no, nonetheless, we're going to keep an eye on the, kind of the issues developing with baseball. My problem is, is we're a month out, and you still don't know if you're going to start on time. Typical baseball, man. Typical baseball. If you missed the interview, find it uh, at wingam.com. Subscribe, download the Justin Kinder Show podcast in your Apple iTunes, Google Play Store. Shows in their entirety, select segments, and all interviews like the ones we did with Hal McCoy. Kev, any closing thoughts? Peace! Take care, folks. Till tomorrow, it's the Justin Kinder Show with Kevin Nash, 1410 ESPN Radio. Buckeye basketball coming up, 7 o'clock, a makeup game with Penn State at 7 p.m., 6.15, the pregame right here on 1410 Wing AM. Go Bucks. The Montgomery County Veterans Service Commission is here to assist veterans during this COVID-19 pandemic. Even though we are not meeting face-to-face, we are here for you. We understand it is a difficult time with this virus threat and the strain of implementing social distancing. For those Montgomery County veterans who have lost their source of income due to their employers having to close or reduce their business hours due to the COVID-19 pandemic, you may be eligible for COVID-19 special financial relief assistance. Please contact the Montgomery County Veterans Service Commission at 937-225-4801 Monday through Friday for more information or to have an application sent to you. You can also visit mcvsc.org. The Montgomery County Veterans Service Commission is here.